Welcome, everybody, to episode 26 of the Beyond Red and Blue podcast. I'm your host, Bo Richards, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Dan Humphrey. Say hi, Dan. Greetings and salutations. With us today is a Purple Belt, one of my training partners, one of Dan's training partners, and one of our uh, close friends, Chris, Hawaiian Chris Simpliciano. Aloha. How you doing, buddy? <laughs> Pretty good. How are you guys? Good, good. It's good to have you on. I'm glad you uh, were able to make some time for us to yeah. talk Thanks about Thanks for today. having me on here. Thanks for having me on here. Yeah. How, uh, Absolutely. We're currently, for our listeners, um, we're currently going through a snowstorm here in right. in, in, uh, in the greater Seattle area. Um, how, is, uh, how is that for you, Chris? You have a bunch of snow where you're at? I got like probably like eight nine inches i was supposed to go oh to the God. office in today and work in the morning <laughs> before this but like nope looked outside no nah, yeah cancel ended up working from home in the morning sure yeah yeah we uh crazy. i i got about eight inches to a foot as well it's yeah. disgusting i think one person's car in um in my complex is actually buried whoa um oh, wow. or like halfway buried they're under a tree and i think a the snow came off of a tree and landed on the car as well. <laughs> and then we, um, our property manager hired someone to come out and like, they had like this little machine. It looks like a tree cutter that, um, blows snow out the top instead of tree debris. And, um, they basically just went up and down the drive, the, the hill driveway pushing snow and the car got more covered. And I haven't looked yet, but it's cause it's snowing pretty hard right now. I'm going to check when we're done. I think it might actually be like gone. I think it might've just disappeared. The car is just no longer there, which is be pretty crazy. So, um, they weren't planning on going. I know, I know. Right. Yeah, you got, you got some hills to deal with too, yeah. over in your complex. Yep. Uh, yeah, no, it's, um, I was going to drive to the gym to, to go work out today. I was like, I got an all-wheel drive. It'll be fine this morning. Like, no problem. <laughs> there was a couple of uh, cars and trucks that, that made it down the hill uh, this morning at like six in the morning. I was like, it won't be a big big deal. And then by eight or nine, when I was going to go, it started to snow pretty hard. And, and then I saw like an old school, like an old like two thousand Subaru, like one of those low to the ground, the ugly ones. Um, and it like basically did cookies at the bottom of my hill, trying to like I don't know what it was trying to do, but it couldn't move. It was trying to back up and turn around and it couldn't do any of that. It just was going in a circle for like 20 minutes. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to try and oh, man. I might, I might walk up to the gym, but that, that alone will be a workout in the snow. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that's like watching a Jeep get stuck. It's like, oh, never mind. This isn't going to yeah, happen today. Yeah, yeah. Um, what I'll probably do is just, uh, like throw on some gloves and run out in the snow and do like a an aerobic workout or something. Just do Ooh. a bunch, do, do, do like jujitsu warmups, you know, just do a bunch of Wim Hof like, style. No yeah. shirt, no shirt, <laughs> shorts, <laughs> barefoot. So, uh, yeah. Um, I actually might, I, so I, I actually contemplate doing that and I might do it without a shirt. I'm not even joking. So um, my girlfriend and I went to Chelan uh, two weeks ago and um, there was a bunch of snow over there and I, uh, I rolled around in the snow for a couple of minutes at like seven in the morning just to cool down. Um, and it was awesome. So I, I may, I, I like to do that kind of thing. So I made do some front rolls and backwards rolls and some shrimps in the snow and um, that kind of thing. So <laughs> until I can't stand it. <laughs> yeah. Do you do any of the official like Wim Hof techniques? Uh, no. I watched him do one breathing technique once. And so I don't really do it much, but it's the, it's where you basically like uh, breathe in and out for like 90 seconds and then hold your breath for as long as you can. Yeah. Um, 
essentially yeah. a, a, considered a, a controlled hyperventilation. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I tried it. He did it on a podcast with Jordan Peterson a couple months ago. And um, so I tried it while the, he was doing it with Jordan Peterson on the podcast. And um, it worked. I actually held my breath longer than I've ever held my breath before in my life. It was a good like two and a half minutes. I'm not even joking. Um, which I've never been able to do. So I was like, oh, okay. It, I also was super dizzy. It was a lot of fun, but I almost passed out. <laughs> it feels nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's a pleasant experience. Yeah, it was. I was very high. Um, and so, uh, but, uh, but yeah. I don't. I don't really do much Wim Hof stuff, but I'm a big fan of cold therapy. Like cold, I take cold showers, um, and so in the snow is about the same. It should come on faster because it's. I'm in the snow and it's colder and hard packed and all that. So I'm excited to see what that does to me. I tried that cold shower thing for a little bit. No, that was that's too much for me. <laughs> I did. I did ten days straight, and then I felt. Yeah, I think I made it to like five or well, six. <laughs> I was like, no. Tell me, tell me if you had this experience. So, like the first couple of days, you do it, like it's hard, and you know whatever it's cold. Um, but afterwards, like you get a real nice shot of endorphins, mm -hmm. and you kind of high for a bit. Like it just it feels really good. That was my experience. Yeah. Like sense of well being was through the roof. I was like, okay, I get it. That, that's yeah, pretty great. Yeah. But then that stopped happening about five or six days in and then it was just cold <laughs> so after 10 days i said fuck that i didn't get any of the good stuff anymore it's yeah, just cold yeah. Um, yeah that happened to me too like i didn't even jump in like when it was cold like i started it warm and then i made it cold yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. but and it, it was just brutal the whole time so i was like screw this <laughs> i'm done <laughs> chris yeah. chris how long were you uh, doing the cold part for um i i forget this was like in the mornings uh just like quick shower jump in okay. in the morning and it was it was winter time too so it was already cold so it was like yep. um yeah cold plus cold no yeah no. i remember <laughs> dan <Not> for me. <laughs> i remember you dan mentioning that you did the cold for a like five ten minutes right yeah yeah it was it was in cycles if i remember i found a protocol somewhere and i think it suggested you know go to cold for like 60 or 90 seconds so I just, I would count to 100. Mm -hmm. And I think I was a little bit under a proper second. So I, I would say, you know, realistically, because you're cold and time starts slowing down, it was at least 90 seconds, maybe a little bit longer. Yeah. And if I'm not mistaken, it was four cycles of that. Okay. And see, what I've, what I typically do is I actually normally take fairly quick showers. Um, ironically, I take longer showers now that I take cold showers than I did before I started doing it. I used to be known okay. for taking like, 30 or 40 second showers. I'd be in and out super quick. Um, and now they're like three. Yeah, hair, exactly. Yeah, that's part of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that, that's actually a big part of it. Yeah. And um, I haven't bought shampoo since uh, uh, last decade. So, um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, now it's like three minutes and it's like straight cold. Every now and again, I'll do warm first. Usually what happens though is like, it's like after the gym, it's cold in the wintertime. And so I'm kind of cold when I get on teaching class. So I'm not super yeah. warmed up anymore. And I'll turn the hot water on to like medium, let's say. But by the time I get into the shower, I'm already kind of sweaty because it's hot and I don't like it. So I just turn the cold on before I really get wet. That's usually what happens is I just get warm from the heat. And then I just before even getting in the warm water and then I just turn it on cold. But and I'll be in it for three, four minutes, maybe five. But um, yeah, I, at this point, I've done it for so long. It's been like three years. So I actually can't stand warm showers. Um 
I, fi- I find them super uncomfortable. Uh, they burn. Even when it's on like medium heat, not like super hot, they burn my skin. It dries my skin out really bad. Um, like I, I just don't like it. So I find myself every now and again, I'll have like a 20 second warm shower. I'm like, it sucks. Like freezing cold, turn it on. Um, yeah, I love it. It's my, it's my, it's my jam. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but I, I'm also a weird guy. Like I, I wear, I wear jujitsu. Yeah. I wear jujitsu geese all the time <laughs> in my belt all the time. So like I, I'm probably not the person that anyone listening should should follow when it comes to like routines that you do throughout the day. Like I, I'm not I'm not really a normal person. So you're a free spirit. Yeah, I'm, I I'm a that. I'm a free spirit. Let's go. That's that's a nice way to put it. <laughs> so uh, so Chris, we ask all of our jujitsu participants on our podcast this first question, and that is, what is your origin story? So t- walk us through. What got you started with jujitsu? Well, uh, start from the beginning, born and raised in Hawaii. And mm-hmm. jujitsu was always, was pretty popular in Hawaii, right? It was like something with like all the surfers and um, used to train jujitsu. They used to surf all day and train jujitsu at night, but I never really got into it. And like, I come from a small island. There's like three public schools. There wasn't even like a wrestling team. Or like mm-hmm. no wrestling anywhere, right? And even if they're which island Kauai, Kauai, okay. and then um, like uh, even if there was wrestling, like I, I I wouldn't be turned on to it. I would, just some grappling, you know, the physical contact, wearing the tights and all that stuff. No, yeah, a bunch of sweaty yeah, dudes. Of sweaty dudes. I'm like yeah. nah, <laughs> not for me, right? I, I played sports and all that stuff, but uh, fast forward to. Uh, January 2012 is when I started jiu-jitsu at Evergreen with Brian. And um, it was actually my wife got me started in jiu-jitsu. She used to work with Trino and his wife. Okay. And I was always interested into uh, in uh, UFC. I was a BJ Penn fan from Hawaii, but I didn't know his jiu-jitsu accolades until after I started jiu-jitsu. Ah. Yeah, I was I was always just rooting for him because he was from Hawaii and he was winning everything. So I was like, oh yeah, go BJ. And then uh, cause I, was, I was interested in jiu-jitsu and then, but I wouldn't be the person to like sign up for a class and join a gym by myself. So I was like, I gotta know somebody first, know a friend first, and then I'll go with them. And then, so my wife started working with Trino and then we started hanging out with them more and uh it's like dude trino i'm gonna join jujitsu with you after he was uh, taking a break at that time and then so when he came back it was uh january 2012 i went to a first class with brian i didn't know it was in bothell like i didn't even research any schools i'm like dude i'm just gonna go with trino to bothell evergreen jujitsu and then see see what this is about and before the old location it was like at this old church upstairs in Bothell yeah. you got to walk up the creaky stairs I'm like what is going on man this is a jiu-jitsu school in here <laughs> and then you go upstairs you change in like this old abandoned looking locker room and mm-hmm. there's the mats locker, there and... locker room is putting it like that's putting it nicely like it yeah was basically right <laughs> it was like a it was they were they were like small bathrooms that you would find in like yeah, an, old san, yeah. an old sanitarium from the 20th century. It, like there was like old desk and yeah. chairs stacked up. I'm like, okay, <laughs> okay. And then did first thing I was hooked. Just 
warming up doing front rolls and um yeah i never i never rolled my first day but i think i rolled my second day and then i just remembered being just exhausted exhausted and like i was looking like i was going to the gym like uh earlier in that year or the previous year like i ran like the rock and roll half marathon like i'm not a runner but like i just signed up and just started running Mm-hmm. just to get in shape and then i was lifting weights and then i just remember rolling with like some 40 year old dad or something and he caught me in a kimura from mount right or not kimura americana americana yeah. even from mount like the whole like <laughs> got you with the day, day one, one white belt move dude and like i couldn't do nothing dude i was trying to, <laughs> i was trying i was like what so dude i was hooked i signed up right there and then and this was pre-kids right Mm -hmm. so like i was training like maybe i think two two three times a week like it was like three hours every night so i was training a lot and uh yeah i uh i feel like i got my blue belt fairly quick like after eight months Mm -hmm. like brian's like hey you're gonna test for your blue belt i'm like what (laughs) i'm like okay uh so i mean and it was like just going and doing those self-defense moves and that bo and i was actually training for before the pandemic right that's right yeah yeah. we're gonna do the belt test and we're training together and so it was like just some of those moves and doing the belt test and then yeah um flash forward to now uh instructor started teaching maybe like a couple years ago after i took sean's place after he left for kindred and then yeah and here we are now so i got a question for you what was your what was your ego experience like because inevitably you join jujitsu somebody way smaller than you rolls you up and you feel right right you kind of have to do that. Some people deal with it better than others. What was that like for you? It was, it was, it was yeah, like I said, I thought, I thought I played sports growing up. So I was like, I thought I could, I was kind of coordinated, right? So I fairly caught on quick and, uh, and then just rolling. So when I started rolling, there was like, there was Andrew, dude, and healthy Andrew. Oh, yeah, healthy Andrew. <laughs> healthy Andrew. Yeah. Uh, Brian was like a four strike purple belt with like a ratted belt ready to fall off. He was rolling every night. Andrew was rolling every night. Um, Trino was there and like some other killers. Like, uh, I think I was listening to Brian's episode. He mentioned a guy, Thad, that firefighter yeah. dude that used to beat up on Brian. He was there. Uh, I rolled with him a couple times and dude, I just got trashed the whole time, white belt. So <laughs> I, had to, I had to learn defense quick, man. Yeah, and like healthy Andrew reminded me, Dan reminded me of healthy Andrew, but Andrew was like kind of heavier set, loves yeah. the top pressure, gift wrap, wrist control, dude. Once he grabbed, I mean, he's a mechanic, right? So, dude, he he he, he got a hold of you. Your your yeah. gi is over. It was over. That, that's actually a good description of you, Dan. Is healthy andrew he's bigger and stronger i think because he's a decent amount bigger than you he's a pretty big guy but yeah yeah it's that's i didn't really think about that because i haven't seen him in a while because he hasn't been in because he's been hurt but no right, uh, sorry right. continue yeah that's, that's a no, good that's no, a good no, uh, he's been hurt but 
so as far as so and then i got my blue belt pretty quick and so i was like hey I, i'm i'm catching on pretty good you know like i've been i've been being able to survive with all the other guys maybe i'd catch some subs here and there but so i got my blue belt and after that i took maybe like a month or two break because my first kid was born right mm -hmm. so i took like two months off and then i come back trino just started teaching his saturday classes okay yeah. and there was this this guy that used to come in for saturdays just only saturdays and he said he was like a wrestler. He was like some Polynesian guy, maybe 200 plus pounds, came in from like the East Coast and stuff and just wanted a place to roll and get in shape. And then I remember, dude, I'm walking in, I'm like, dude, I'm a blue belt, you know? <laughs> and then like, I, you know, I, I, I could move a little bit, I can hang. So I'm rolling with this guy first day back and I get absolutely demolished, dude. Like I had to quit. It was just me, Trino, and this this wrestler guy, and then um, that kind of like opened up my eyes. Like I had to quit. I was like, nah, nah. After like three, four rolls, I'm like, I'm done, dude. I'm like huffing and puffing. Like uh, my joints are sore, right? And I'm like caught in every type of sub. I'm like, whoa. And that opened my eyes. And then like I trained with him more. Started going more. Like. I was I was addicted to it. I started going more, even though I was getting sub. But I started like, I started like, getting more in shape, and now like we we're going head to head and all that stuff. And then, as far as ego, like that 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 was like a slap in the face right there <laughs> mm -hmm. in the beginning. I was like, whoa, that was crazy. That's good though. You took the healthy route. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like. Yeah, it's it I, either it can drive you away or it can motivate you. Right, like, oh, right. Oh crap! There's so much I can learn. Let's there, let's. There's always going to be somebody better than you, and oh yeah, and if not, definitely test your game against a wrestler, and then, oh, yeah, <laughs> that'll always open your eyes. And then, like I think Sean told me, like a couple of weeks, I told him about this guy and how he absolutely demolished me, and he's like, "Oh, dude, that guy trained MMA." <laughs> like, yeah. I was like, "What?" I was like. This guy's holding back. I'm like, dude. <laughs> so, I'm uh, I'm yeah. curious. You're uh, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but you're uh, most well known in the gym for your laid back grappling style. Um, yeah, yeah. Because you it's you, only, uh, you, <laughs> you you like that. Go ahead. I don't have a gas tank, right? So it's like <laughs> so I gotta be like laid back because otherwise I like to go hard. I like to like like jump around and do all that kind of athletic stuff but i get gassed out too quick so i gotta yeah. i gotta adapt my game so i can actually survive the round <laughs> see so i've actually always wondered about this because you know you like you mentioned you're you're from hawaii and having been to hawaii a few times and you, you hear constantly about how hawaii and then as you go there you you feel it there's like a different pace of life on the islands yeah than, yeah than on the mainland and that's like actually true for the most part i, I would assume most everywhere and you're from Kauai, is that right Kauai, right there, we and only so, have one main road there yeah and so it's it's going to be smaller like sh slower pace than anywhere else and so i right. just kind of figured your style was because you're hawaiian like that's just kind of how you were raised you're a little bit more laid back <laughs> yeah and uh, yeah. um but I, I'm wondering if, like, is that kind of always been your style? Or what was the moment for you when you decided to to go from, like, I'm young and athletic, I can do this, to I'm going to do old man jiu-jitsu? Well, and yeah, like, like I, I was always <laughs> on my back in the beginning, man, against, against like, Brian. And 
everybody else. So it's like, so I, that's where I like learned half guard pretty quickly, right? I got to be able to survive. And yeah. it just, just stuck from there. Like play that lazy half and see where that goes <laughs> <laughs> and not, not try to burn myself <laughs> out in the beginning. <laughs> sure. There's this, uh, we did a comp an in-house competition once and there's this, there's a video of you and Sean roll, uh, do, competing against each other. And you, you in particular, I think were tired, but you guys said like had to reset after going out of bounds and you both stood up and walked back to the middle of the mat. And then both of you just, you just like laid down and then Sean <laughs> laid down next to you and you guys slapped hands and continued from the bot, like not even from your knees, from your sides. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> and it was like one of those moments that perfectly encapsulated your grappling style to me, which yeah. is, just, I, I'm just going to, I'm just going to lay here and then you're going to do your stuff and I'm going to get out of it. And, uh, <laughs> and then I'm going to submit you. Cause that's what you do is you just, you're like, come on, come on. And yeah, then, yeah. And then I try to attack you, and then you somehow slowly weasel your way out of it <laughs> and choke me. <laughs> that's that's yeah. That's how that's that, my game. That's the, that's the, the lazy, goal. lazy, lazy energy saving, efficient for me. <laughs> that's totally the way yeah, to do it, man. Yeah. Unless you're trying to get into serious competition, right? Right. Look, and it took me it quite literally years to get that through my stupid head. Because you know, I would get excited and you know want to be athletic and oh, you know train hard and let's go and it's uh, always super easy to find someone else that wants to go hard too. Yeah, right? yeah. You know, it's a bunch of dudes in a room. You're gonna get fucking aggro. Um, but when I finally did slow down, my technique got better. I you know better energy. I get my setups like everything just worked better. Right, right. Um, and even that took a little bit to actually sink in, sink in. I would get a glimpse yeah. of it. Like, I'd be tired or I'd just relax. Like, oh, yeah, I got to relax. And it would work. Like, oh, cool. And then I'd get all excited again and forget everything. <laughs> exactly, right? But, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, I, I'm, i like, dude, I watch everything, right? I'm, I'm, I'm online, social media. Like, I follow all, like, these competitors and all that stuff from Reddit. I know all the whole scoops of everything. So, like, I try to do that in class and try to be, like, some – Atos competitor guy doesn't really work out. <laughs> doesn't work out for me, dude. I'm, I'm like a mid thirties dad, you know. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta pick and choose my game. It's fun. It's fun to do every now, every now and then. But as far as like, I, I think that what you yeah. should do is you should uh, make some instructionals, and instead of having like half guard and single leg x and whatnot you should just call it lazy half and lazy x and <laughs> yeah lazy he yeah. lazy lazy heva you know like whatever it is that lazy yeah. to the beginning it, it, you just show like what you do when you're like on an elbow just lay in there yeah yeah trying to get your yeah. sweeps from the bottom and right. <laughs> lazy lapel guard like <laughs> it's all fun for the for for the gym rolls but like if i ever find myself in a fight like a real fight like no nah, yeah just straight Straight Gracie Jiu Jitsu fundamentals. Yeah. <laughs> no, well, no lazy. Well, I think you know, 99% of the time it's going to be done in like five seconds. Anyway. Right, right. You know, it's like it's a brand new fresh white belt. Somebody who doesn't train, you're going to put them down, you're going to mount them, maybe you roll them over and choke them, or maybe just calm them down. But yeah, there's not going to, you're not going to have to worry about your half guard. Right, right, in right. The street, yeah. Right? Like, you only yeah. worry about that for other guys that train, right? In school. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not gonna be trying to barambolo some guy on the street or something. Right. <laughs> I don't even try that in the gym, so I that that's a non-starter for me. I uh, I tried that once with uh, 
with somebody just like doing some gramby roll some inverts and um they they like push down into me like fairly yeah, aggressively yeah. and it just like like i didn't get hurt <laughs> but like my neck definitely popped multiple times you know like like you know when you like turn your head and you like crack your neck it like yeah. did that and then like like the this the pressure wasn't fun and i was like okay I'm not sure if I was close to like being paralyzed or if like my neck just needed to pop because there was air between the joints, but I don't want to be in that position when someone decides to um, get a little aggressive and just like lower all their body weight on me when I'm inverted. Yeah. You know, like I'm not trying to. <laughs> there are times I've done it. When was it, that me, Bob? No, no, no. It, did, did I do that too? It was not. Okay, because um, that's that is absolutely my go-to. You got Anytime somebody inverts, I just right. smash. <laughs> you got to pick and choose. You got to pick and choose who you do that with, right? I yeah. wouldn't do that against Dan. <laughs> I would try it against you, Bo. Yeah, but well, because like, like, I wouldn't do that. Like, um, I've actually tried the smash, like to do that in that position, but I always try and do it controlled. Like, um, I, I don't want to name who it is because it's someone who uh, is regularly trained at our gym and I, 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 move, I think moved on once um, we closed down. But uh, and if they're li- was it more like an uncontrolled drop? That's what it. Like, just that's kind of what it felt like. And so yeah. I actually didn't. Yeah. I didn't ask them about it, so I don't know. And that's the other reason I don't want to name who it is. Is like I don't want to call them out as doing something bad because I don't know if like they were just trying to do what they felt was best or if like it was just they were just trying to drop all their weight as hard as they could and it was a little dangerous for me. Um, but it was effective. And so like, yeah. I've actually, you've actually inverted on me before, Chris, and I've done that, but I've done it more controlled. Like this person basically sprawled. Like they just did like wow. a, a hip, a hip sprawl. Like if you were trying yeah. to do a takedown and like hard. Um, and I was like, okay, well I could, that's, that's going to work yeah. depending on the, the, the invert and where they're at. And so like, I've actually tried it with you cause you invert slowly. You don't do it quickly and aggressively. Um, yeah. you know, you're, you're, you're pretty smooth, but, uh, with your with your movements and so i was like okay well i'm gonna try and just drop on you and see what happens and do it nice so i don't break your neck yeah and um it's been long enough now that i I can't remember completely but i I know at least one time it worked because i I basically just stacked past you i essentially just stacked you and um and i was like okay so i can do this safely but i'm sure as hell not just gonna like throw the legs back and sprawl like that doesn't um you know it kind of depends on where you were if i remember correctly when it happened to me i was in like open guard um, like an open butterfly style guard, and I tried to invert because they stood up. Mm. They were attempting to stand up, and so they created the space. I tried to fill it, and they just like they had the they were able to drop on me versus them completely standing. And there's more room, and I would have control of the legs, where I'd be less worried about it if I had control of the legs. Um, but yeah, it wasn't fun. So I was like, nope, yeah. I don't. <laughs> I had a situation once where someone had me in a head and arm and I didn't tap and I fucked my neck up and had to spend like four grand on chiropractic work. What? Um, and so, yeah, like I like really fucked my neck up and um, it was pretty bad. And like I still have my neck issues are pretty much solved now, but it's still a little sore sometimes. And I use a Denerol still to like lay on it and relieve, relieve pressure. But I was like, ever since that moment, I was like, I need to be careful when I invert because I didn't do this from inverting, but inverting can cause those issues if you don't yeah, do it right. Yeah. And it's a super tricky. Position. It's super tricky. Right. And like, if I don't know what I'm doing and my, my partner doesn't and they smash me and I do it wrong or I do it right. And they smash hard. Like what happened is like, then I don't grapple again. So right. it's like, but you're supposed to be on your upper back and exactly. That's the thing. Is like if, yeah. Yeah. And if you don't, if you don't get it right though, then you're just on yeah, your neck for sure. For and, sure. Um, for sure. Dude, you know, speaking of which, um, Mikey, is it Musa? Yeah. 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 
Mikey, <laughs> um, recently did a video with uh, Bernardo, and he was uh, showing a Baron Bolo that he says requires no flexibility. Mm -hmm. It's like it doesn't. It's basically to the same concept. You don't get up on your neck. Um, so it's it's if you have the right technique, you can use those same pathways without putting your neck in such jeopardy. Yeah. Um, obviously, I didn't get a chance to actually try it or anything, but it looked interesting. Right, it's right. like it, to me that it's it's nice to see some of these um, high level and and uh, highly technical moves like that get adapted for a more robust approach. Yes. Right. So even if you know if you're not a you know a, a world class competitor black belt that obviously you know your body well enough and you can you can get in these tricky positions, um, but myself as a hobby level guy I, I'm not interested in messing with that at all. Um, but if there's a way to do it safely and and you know kind of basically just use the principle of that inversion you know to get to the back for a barambolo, uh, that's awesome. So it's it's fun to see that kind of progress into what I would consider a more useful technique. Yeah. Right. I like do I like doing it with I, I usually if I ever do like uh invert or do Gramby rolls and stuff, it's almost exclusively with kids. Mm. Mostly because yeah, you, they're not they're not big enough to do anything. You need to do like it with somebody your size or smaller. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I've done a little yeah. bit of it with, with you, Chris, because you roll pretty light usually. You, when you yeah. and I do, we usually and often I'll do it with like Trino because he's really good at allowing people space to move. Right. Um right. but it's not often because most of the time I because I don't think about it much. I actually don't spend a lot of time like there's not I don't know all of the times when it's gonna be necessary to Barambolo to get somewhere right. you know like i know a couple of the positions because they make intuitive sense and i've seen people do them and so i'll try them if they come up and i'm like okay let's try and gramby here and see what happens um but usually it's uh it's in those situations exclusively i'm like okay i'm gonna try and get to the back with a 12 year old because no right, matter what they right. do like at worst they'll sit on me it'll be fine like they're they're 80 pounds i'm not worried about it um but it doesn't work because they're 12 and they don't know what i'm doing so they fall <laughs> they, what happens is they fall over they're like, why are you on your, why are you upside down? And then like, I push on them and then they fall over. Cause I don't know to like stand their ground and like peel my legs away and like hold me. Like <laughs> they have no idea what I'm doing. You know, cause we don't teach our kids barambolos, which is fine with me. I'm not trying to teach our six year olds how to barambolo, but, um, it's, there's, it's like a give and take there. It's like, I can do it to them, but every time they fall over, cause they have no conception of balance. Yeah, when I'm in yeah. that position, because they're they're like, why are you under? You a second ago you were standing. Like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> why did you fall like, over and go to your back like that? <laughs> dude, I would try it on Brian every once in a while, and he just shuts it down too. So yeah. it's like, oh, <laughs> Plan B, trying to do something else, yeah. and mainly it's just me trying to work on all these different stuff, the yeah. different techniques, and just doing it for fun, like just trying it, like. Yeah, like I said, like I wouldn't be doing it in a street fight or anything, but like just for in gym roles, trying stuff out. That's that's what keeps yeah. it that's what keeps it fun and right. interesting for me. So I don't get bored. For sure. And yeah. What's uh <laughs> have have you ever had the the blue belt booze? Nah. No. Nah. Dude, I was a blue belt for like I think like almost five years. Yeah, almost five years, and like, like I said, or like right when I got my blue belt, I got smashed by like a wrestler. So I was like, just, just I was like trying to YouTube stuff, like, oh, how do how do you grapple wrestlers and all that stuff. <laughs> so there's always like, there's always like different techniques, you know. Like Brian doesn't really teach Delahiva and all that stuff. Uh, so like, you know, just my my mind 
just like tries to learn all these different different new different mm-hmm. techniques different new things you know like white belt mentality just learn everything learn everything yeah. right so go from learning delhiva go go to learning like the new whatever danaher stuff that's out or legs right leg locks is a whole new beast there's yeah. all these different all these different things so like i never got the blue belt blues once i get bored of doing something then I'll, like i'll learn try try a different game yeah. try invert or whatever try to get like some pressure smash pass or all that stuff I, so i never got the blue belt blues that's so. been something that's been consistent with everyone we've interviewed thus far um, yeah you sean trino and brian um because I hear a lot about it, and I, a lot of the guys in the gym, in the a lot of the girls in the gym over the years, I've heard them talk about the blue, getting the blue belt blues, or even at any belt, white belt, purple belt, brown, whatever. Right. Um, they just get they get frustrated, and and um, it's nice to have to have other people that don't. Because I've never gotten that. I've been frustrated once after the first time I rolled Brian. Um, Brian demolished me. And I was, a, I, he, I just got my blue belt. So it'd been like, I don't know, nine months or so, whatever. Um, we hadn't had a chance to roll yet. And I was like, I'll be able to do something. And he just like, I, I could, I remember specifically one moment in the roll where I tried, he swept me and I tried to get up and I couldn't even get up. He swept me before I could get up. And I actually still to this day don't know how he did it. Cause he like butterfly swept me. and didn't come up on top. And as I stood up, he still managed to sweep me from his side. <laughs> like i'm actually not i'm actually not even sure if i didn't slip in anticipation of getting swept right and right. so he didn't do anything i just like slipped on the mat because i expected to get swept but um i you know i've had a, a lot of a lot of uh kids and a lot of adults tell me you know come to me or i've heard them talk about how they get um they get the blue they get frustrated because they're not progressing or they plateau and i'm like i don't yeah plateaus yeah. are my favorite part of jujitsu like every time i come in and i have a shitty day it's like my favorite day i'm like okay bring it it's like good right right jocko right. willing's head in my jocko willing's voice comes in my head and it's like good good like, come back tomorrow good. and try harder like, like those are my favorite days are the days where everything goes wrong so i'm like okay well i'm either internalizing all of this my my body hasn't caught up yet or i need to work harder so tomorrow I'm yeah. going to come back and my whole goal yeah. tomorrow is I'm going to write everyone who tapped me out. I'm going to write their name in blood and tomorrow I'm going to come back <laughs> and, <laughs> and do yeah. everything I can. <laughs> Dude, everybody has the bad days, man. And yeah, those are my, like I said, those are my, those are my favorite, but yeah, so it's, I'm glad that you, uh, I'm glad that you're similar in that because um, I feel bad for people who have like plateaued times when like they they quit they want to quit jujitsu for a period of time or forever because they they get bo- they get bored or they they plateau and it's frustrating or they they feel like they're not improving and it's like yeah yeah it's I mean this is, it makes sense I mean yeah. if you think of when you first start and you know you get up and through your blue belt everything is so new. And more often than not, if you're if you're rolling at your own peer level, so not you're not rolling with black belts, um, but if you're rolling with people at your same level, then the difference between getting a sub and not oftentimes is some new shit. Yeah, I got a move that you didn't even know about, and I'm gonna drop it on you. Right, and, right. Hey, I got the sub. Even if you did it shitty, they didn't they didn't know how to defend it. 
but eventually that all kind of goes away and effectively everybody knows the same stuff. Mm -hmm. So it starts coming down to how well did you execute? How well did you time it? Did you set it up? And, you know, just the, the deeper levels of jujitsu in itself, but that really slows down the perception of progress. Mm -hmm. It's not like, oh, I got a new move and, you know, yay, it works and I'm getting subs. Uh, now it's, how was my timing? Did I, did I anticipate what he was doing so I could set up the other thing and then fake this other direction and set up what I was really going for, mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and that just takes a lot longer to, to get there, but it's natural. That's, that's with the whole Dan, Danaher guys with the whole leg locks, right? They blew into the whole competition exactly. scene, the whole leg locks, and yep. they, they got it down to like a whole systematic approach. And then all of a sudden, everybody's like, dude, I got to learn legs. Yep. And all these yep. different positions. And they did, and they kind of even. Yeah, up. yeah, and then now, yeah. now they're using the legs to like transition to the back and get the choke and all that yeah. stuff. So that that's yeah. that's amazing. That's that type of stuff is keeps me addicted to jujitsu, man. Me too. I, whole, I remember hearing the whole um, chess match. The whole chess yeah. match. Yeah, yeah. I actually remember hearing Gordon Ryan say recently that even though it's been a couple of years since they sort of blew everyone out of the water, he still feels that the leg lock game in jiu-jitsu as a whole is well ahead of where it was five years ago is still woefully behind where they are he mentions that he'll watch people do leg lock entries from other schools and he's like they're nowhere near our level nothing yeah and they're yeah. getting better like they're that's what's crazy to me is that like you have a group of guys who dedicated so much of their time to perfecting this very clear hole in jiu-jitsu that their level is so far above and beyond everyone else's that even when people make massive progressions, they're still like blue belts comparatively. Like that's kind of the impression I get is like they showed up and just tapped a bunch of white belts at worlds yeah, and yeah. with their leg locks, you know, and then everyone's like, well, we don't want to get tapped out by these upstarts who are doing bad jujitsu, you know, cause leg locks are bad. And then everyone, you know, all the other world champions get to blue belt level at leg locks and you have Gordon and he's like, yeah, I mean, they're fine. Like, <laughs> it's like Jesus. Like, you know, like Dude, I just, I, I just watched a video of Gordon, and man, that guy is a genius, man. Like, he was yeah. like, uh, he was like commentating on like one of his Abu Dhabi matches versus him versus like you know like some high level black belt elite competitor, and he's like, the dude's trying to pass Gordon's guard, and Gordon's like. Dude, this guy doesn't know how to pass guard. He basically shits on yeah. his game. And he's like, yeah. dude, he's coming in at a square stance, right? He's not even staggered passing and all that stuff. And like, he's never going to pass my guard. <laughs> he says the, that the whole time. And I'm like, dude. And he I actually doesn't. like watching. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I like watching um, Gordon's an asshole. Yeah, and yeah. But, um, and I, I think part of that is his persona to make money and it's effective. He, I don't know. I've never met him. So I don't know if McGregor he's like, of jujitsu world. Yeah. Much, so I'm not right? sure if that's like, if that's partly for show or if he's just actually like that all the time, but I actually like how he breaks down jujitsu. It's yeah, simple. Yeah. It's yeah. surprisingly simple. Like I, I would have expected him when he breaks it down, I, I expected something different, but when I hear him talk about it, he's like. Yeah, like you said, he's like, this guy can't pass my guard because of these, like, fundamental issues. Like, he's square stance, not staggered. And it's like, that's 
day one boxing teaches you that, you know, yeah, like yeah. just standard, standard stuff like his shoulders are turned the wrong way or like he's not grip fighting properly because he doesn't have inside control with his hands. So how is he going to, you know, do like all those small things? And you're like, oh, wow. He just sees them at such a small level, like at a micro level compared to right, everyone right. else that um, it reminds me a lot of Danaher as well. Yeah. It's maybe not as yeah. it's maybe it's not as conceptual. I feel like uh, Danaher's kind of got that uh, that philosophy mindset, you know, that uh, right, mad right, genius right. style mindset, but um, very very similar. Yeah, it's a lot of fun watching them um, break their shit down. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Danaher's Do, a, his mastermind. Man. Oh yeah, he's crazy. Yeah. Do you still uh, you said you still watch uh, matches and break down film and stuff? Even though you've been off jujitsu for a while, yeah, I, I started get back, getting back into it. Like last Good. year, I don't even count. <laughs> I didn't do nothing <laughs> last year <laughs> when the pandemic hit. But uh, yeah, yeah, now now I'm starting to get back into it, and man, yeah, it's fun. It's it fun. is. Yeah, I've been I've been trying to stay on it. Um, Sean, you know, because he's absurd with his film watching. Yeah, um, yeah, and stuff. He, uh, I've been. Uh, um, He's been getting on my case to watch film and and take notes and stuff and uh, um, really conceptualize right. grappling that people do so I can really work the mental game. And so I, I've been basically doing that for the last 18 months as a result or a year, however long it's been oh. since we've been shut down. Yeah, so. yeah. It's it's yeah. Sean, Sean's, Sean's a geek, too, man. We, we both geek yeah. out about jujitsu yeah. and like we send each other like Instagram posts, you know, how people yeah. have techniques and all that stuff online so man yeah yeah you gotta have that you gotta have that because at some point in your jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu uh life you gotta you gotta start self-learning right you gotta yeah. you gotta study like brian brian is really good at teaching his game and all that stuff so but you have to find out your game so you have to try all these different mm -hmm. techniques see what works for you right body type body type plays a big role yeah. Right, like me having single leg X on Dan is gonna be different having single leg X on you, right? Yeah, it's like I'm never, I'm probably never gonna sweep Dan <laughs> single leg X, but like, <laughs> yeah, but maybe I can do that to you. So you gotta, you gotta find what works well for you. No, so very, stu that's a, yeah, studying is a big that's, deal. That's one of the things I like about Brian is that he's very open with what people learn. Right. He's, right. he's, uh, his technique is so good that that's really what he's known for and what good at teaching is fundamental techniques. You know, yeah. he's the he's yeah. the prototypical um, small guy that jujitsu works for. He's not. I mean, he's absurdly athletic. Like, let's let's be realistic here. You know, yeah. he's a yeah. he's a <laughs> he's a he's a pro wrestler or former pro wrestler and did gymnastics for like thirty five years and was like nationally yeah. ranked. Like he's he's super no flexible. Yeah, he's like he's strong, no athletic. Yeah, he's super like, strong. But but he's like technically strong because he's you know five six and one hundred and forty pounds. Like he's a tiny dude. Um, yeah, yeah. But he's always, I, I've always been very happy that he's. Uh, allowed people to kind of learn what they want to learn because he's an old school guy like he's very big right, on old right. school w with the exception of that and leg locks like uh um i guess he's still old school with leg locks but um a lot of the old school guys don't like you learning new things yeah yeah and he i'm glad he's that can be yeah and i'm glad he's not like that he's like learn whatever you want when sean wanted to teach me leg locks he's like whatever Sean, yeah. do your thing. Just it's not going to yeah. work on me. And then Sean Leglock and me got pissed. But, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's nice because you're right. Like there's, you kind of got to figure out what not only what works best for your body, but I'm a big proponent in finding out what works best for your temperament. 
You know, like right. like you like you like single leg X and half guard because your temperament's laid back, like literally laid back. Like you like yeah, to lay back yeah. and do jujitsu. <laughs> and so, like single leg X and half guard work for you because you need to be in that position to make those things work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you know, just me. Yeah, being used to being always yeah, down on my back. So, but, like, but that's like an extension of your of your laid back style and your personality right. and like who you are. Right. You know, you're not James is an example who's a diehard wrestler and has wrestled his entire life. Yeah. He's got a really hard, you know, he's, he's got a hard time being laid back like that and doing that style of jujitsu. Cause it's not his personality type, you know, but he, you know, you're also not going to be running around trying to do double leg takedowns for six minutes for sure. You're in, sure. Just in order to get on top and then never <laughs> relinquish control. Like that's not your, yeah. And, yeah. Um, and so you got to be able to find kind of what works, what meshes best with your personality and your psyche, you know, uh, Dan and I talked about that, I think, in our first jiu-jitsu episode with just Tim and I. But um, I'm a big proponent of, like, trying to find what works best for each individual's, the, who they are, their essence as a person. You know, like, what's what about jiu-jitsu speaks to you, like, psychologically? Like, that's what you should be studying, you know? If <laughs> yeah. you're... If, if you're if you're aggressive and you need to win all the time, then we, we probably should teach you some wrestling. Like, yeah, that's, yeah, that's that's what we need to show you. We need to show you how to be a really good wrestler because you're going to get on top and win. That's the, that's the mindset of a wrestler. Yeah. Um, you know, if you uh... I like Danaher's approach on that in that he uh, he says he's super militant about the fundamentals. Like there's no negotiation when it comes to the fundamentals. This is how they work. It's the most yeah. efficient way. This is how you have to do yeah. it. But beyond that, uh, just figure out what works yeah. for you, you know explore and find your game just keep the fundamentals sound and then you're good to go exactly i love it old old school fundamentals man they're always gonna work yeah chris how much of your game have you gotten off of youtube oh man since blue belt man (laughs) so like yeah yeah like uh i I play around with the whole delhiva and like all 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 the leg locks stuff me well actually sean it's pretty much sean (laughs) Because <laughs> Sean, stud- <laughs> Sean studies a lot, right? He's everybody's favorite training partner, right? So like, yep. <laughs> he studies a lot. So like, yep. whenever I try, I try to watch like all these instructionals and stuff. It's like super late at night, and like I ended up falling asleep right at like ten minutes in. Especially if it's like Danaher, <laughs> I get super bored with Danaher. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's mainly like Sean just showing me like, hey, well, what's he working on? Like, what's the latest and greatest, and then. I'm able to get that from him and adapt it to my game and try it out on guys at the gym. So yeah, so yeah, it's 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 pretty much from training partners. Even Trino, Trino's like I've trained a lot with him. Like uh, he had his Saturday class for a while, and like for for a good long time, like uh, I wasn't able to come during the week. Uh, for like the earlier classes so like i would i would i would only come for like open mats actually so i would miss i would miss the actual class part i remember i would come come to open mats you know for an hour like nine nine at night after the kids are in bed asleep and like i would come and i would roll and i would i would try all these things i seen on instagram or youtube and then have Sean and Trino go over stuff with what they're working on, and and then I would just that would be my jujitsu, man. Yeah. Like just learning through rolling, right? You got to have that uh, resistance, right? Too. So yeah. you got to find that that helps you really quick know what 
what's going to work and what isn't, right? You, you can go for like the barambolo, but somebody's going to grab your foot for a toehold, man. That's done, you know? So you got to gotta watch out for that. You got to time it, right? Especially like if somebody's going to stack you when you invert, right? You got to know... Yep. When you have what? space and when you don't. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You got to create the space. You got to create the space first. So a lot of that was me trying stuff out, trying stuff out during rolling. And uh, like, if it didn't work, you know, I'm tapping. I tap. I'm not scared to tap. So like, yeah, it's a lot of, it's a lot of self-learning during that, that time. I'd say like blue belt, purple years. Like, yeah. Self-learning and Sean, basically, nice. yeah. Self-learning Sean, yeah. Trino, they helped me out a bunch. I feel like in 10 or 15 years, like all of the West Side is going to have learned from Sean. That, that's what I see. Because he, he trains. Sean's my Danaher, man. He's the West yeah. Coast Danaher. Because <laughs> he, he I. I, he trains at like 15 gyms. Like he's friends with all the gym yeah. owners within like yeah. a 15 mile radius of where he lives, maybe even a 50 mile radius. Like, and he goes to him frequently. Um, he'll text me at random times and he's like, Hey, do you want to go to a, do you want to go to a class before our class? <laughs> he's like, once he texted me, it was like noon. And he's like, Hey, do you want to go up to Muckleteo and train at six before our seven right. o'clock class? And I'm right. like, it's like a Monday, and I'm like, yeah, cool. And like the next day, he's like, hey, do you want to train after you teach kids class? We're, we're, I'm going to go to a gym like down in Seattle. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, how many gyms do you go to a week? And he's like, 12. <laughs> so I feel like what's going to happen is in 15 years, you're going to ask a random person, like a random purple belt. And they're like, oh, I learned yeah. mostly from yeah. Sean. Like that, that one guy who trains at Kindred or has his own gym now, or I don't know what he'll be doing in 15 years. But it's like everyone, because he just spends so much, I think he tr studies more than everyone else. Um, he's a, he's a Mr. Aloha man. Everybody knows Sean. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. He goes everywhere. <laughs> Funny story about Sean when he first started coming to uh, Evergreen, right? I think I was still a white belt, but uh, I remember watching this uh, Gracie. Uh, it was Huron and Henry Gracie video on YouTube about they they teach you how to do the mounted triangle, mm -hmm. and. Uh, it was it was it was a popular one where they're like, oh, you can you can go uh, stop in Chicago airport or you can go straight to yeah, New York, yeah, which yeah. versus which yep. means like you know straight to the mountain triangle or uh, stepping on the person's hand, then you transition to the mountain triangle, right? So like, I watched this right before class, and then I go to class and I see Sean there, and I'm like. Dude, he's fresh meat. I'm gonna pull this <laughs> off on him. <laughs> I'm gonna pull this off on him. And then uh, I we start rolling, and then uh, we're we're like the two smallest guys there, and uh, we start rolling. And dude, I get on mount, dude, and I pull this straight to New York mounted triangle <laughs> on Sean, perfect, like the video. And dude, I, he tapped, and I'm like, oh my god, I had the biggest smile on my face. And then uh, a couple years later, Sean Sean remembers that role, and he's like, "Dude, yeah, like that when I started coming to Evergreen, and like you you pulled that mounted triangle on me, and I was like, dude, is everybody at Evergreen that good <laughs> to do like mounted triangles?' And he's like, just amazed. And I was like, dude, I just watched that video right before class, and <laughs> pulled it off, and now now Sean like, dude, Sean Sean fucks me up every time. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> like all of a sudden, like I go to Hawaii, I come back, he's like all into leg locks and knows all the leg locks already. I'm like, what's yep. going on? So, what I think happened is because I've told this story many times is my first day, Brian showed triangles and mm -hmm. Brian had Sean work with me. Um, and Sean choked the shit out of me for an hour straight. <laughs> it, it, it's, it was because I had thicker shoulders than I do now, and he's got small legs. So he actually had trouble locking his triangle up. So in order to lock it up, he had to choke the shit out of me. Yeah. But, yeah. but what, I, what, I, what I like to think happened after hearing this story is that he was so amazed by the triangle that you did on him when he was new. That he's like, I'm going to do this to somebody when they're new. Right. <laughs> and I was the new guy that he did it to. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to do what Chris did to me to this new kid yeah, yeah. with these broad fucking shoulders. <laughs> So thanks. Well, so, not, so thanks for so my experience. My, <laughs> it's your fault. It's my fault. <laughs> yeah, like I guess nowadays, man, like you know, like fanboy and Danaher, like he he like describes like every single detail for finishing the triangle, right? Like you get it like that versus like the yeah. versus like the old school, like you know, old school gyms. Like you have like guys brazilian black belts right where they try to describe you a move right you know you get your leg like this you pull it here and then you just lock it up and like you know they miss some of the details in there but danaher just like has a way to articulate all of that stuff yeah. to make you understand it quick so that's why i like the whole new school jujitsu is way way ahead of like the old previous yeah, this actually reminds well, me of. There's, Go ahead, Dan. I was going to say, there's, there's something to be said for, and, and I don't hear it talked about a lot in jujitsu circles, but the difference between between being a good jujitsu player and a good jujitsu coach, mm -hmm. and this is true for all sports, right. you know, the best basketball coaches aren't the best basketball players. Um, but as, as the sport is growing and we're finally starting to see who is percolating to the top as an outstanding coach, not just a however many time IBJJF champion, blah, blah, whatever, but someone who's producing champions right, right. on a regular basis. And uh, I think, you know, Danaher's absolutely top of the heap for, you know, his talent and ability to distill a concept into a very concise explanation that gives you a thorough enough knowledge that you truly understand therefore you can, like, he can adapt it later if you need to right like you know the mechanics of what's actually yeah. happening rather than well coach said put my leg here and then yeah. this here and squeeze and uh, i guess it worked <laughs> um you know that, that's that's a huge right. thing um and and not ironically um being a student of henzo henzo's one of the brazilians yeah. Yeah. that has that same thing like he's trained so many outstanding black belts and although his style is completely different of teaching, it's awesome. And you can tell how it's just, you know, he can pour out information and you can, you can lap it up really easy because he does explain it so well. Right. Um, he, that's, that's what I really appreciate. I think he, he teaches the invisible jujitsu type techniques in his yeah. like yeah. videos, right? Versus like, you know, when you have like Hickson talking about the invisible jujitsu, you know, maybe it's like hard to, hard to uh, get at first, but Danner. Actually, you know what? That's, that's a perfect example yeah. because in order to, to get it from Hickson, you gotta, you need to be with right, Hickson. Right, you gotta feel it, right? 
yeah, yeah. exactly. You got to be there. And you're like, oh shit. Okay, now now I understand. Whereas I think Danaher would find a way to put that into exactly. words. Exactly. So you could figure. I mean, it's it out, a, yeah. maybe it's the whole language language barrier to you or something. Maybe if Hickson possible would describe yeah. it in uh, Portuguese or something, then I don't think so. And I I tell you why. Um, I'm obviously I'm a huge fan yeah, of Hickson. Yeah. He's the fucking man. Um, so when I do watch him teach and even just just talk about jujitsu, um, he speaks from a very kinesthetic yes. standpoint, mm. um, which makes sense. If you're going to be you know good at jujitsu, it helps to be at least have some you know talent towards being kinesthetic. So he feels everything. Right, right, right. And for people that are kinesthetic, it's so fucking hard to put that into words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's you know they they think and feeling. Um, I think that he is one of those types of guys that and you know of course that fucking works out for great for jujitsu um but it's it's a bit more challenging to put that into words so i think even in portuguese yeah it would be it wouldn't be quite danaher level that makes sense not to that say that sense. his yeah well in danaher the, 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 from the coaching aspect and Danaher, yeah because danaher i mean he was what three weeks away from getting his phd in philosophy like this is how he thinks yeah. he thinks analytically yeah, yeah. this is his brain and so as kinesthetic as, or maybe lack thereof, because I know Danner's even mentioned he's not a hugely athletic individual. He never competed. He was obviously good enough to, to live in the Henzo gym for the last 30 years and like survive. So he, he had, had some abilities. Um, but I think given how his brain functions, like this is the direction he would have to go. And what, what you made me think of when you said kinesthetic is, Marcelo Garcia is often considered, outside of probably Hickson, one of the most kinesthetic learners in jiu-jitsu of all time. Um, I've, I've heard numerous, numerous people talk about how his, the, the way he is kinesthetically is surreal because of, he just knows where his body needs to be. And um, But he happens to be one of those who's kind of got a good mix of both. I've heard that he's able to actually explain the kinesthetics that he feels when he does jujitsu he's found a way to put it into words maybe not to the level that danaher can but it's probably because danaher's so far on the spectrum of analytically comparatively right. that like you know it, it'd be very difficult um this actually reminds me of uh well, i think there's also to to go with that real quick no sorry, but you're good um i think because marcelo spent so much time competing but danaher i don't think ever no. did so for a good chunk of Marcelo's time, he's just he's learning how to get good for himself and his competition. Not that he wasn't training other people, of course. He was still teaching. Um, but when the focus is on your own athletic career mm -hmm. versus Danaher essentially living vicariously through his students, um, you know, full time and beyond yeah. of, of his you know, mental energy is spent working on that. And um, you'll be able to develop more of the analytical description approach to because right. that's what you do all day. Um, yeah. That yeah. actually reminds me of uh, the the movie that Flow Grappling just dropped yesterday, uh, American Jiu-Jitsu. Um, they talk. Oh, wow, I watched that. I watched yeah. that last night. That was so awesome. They, yeah. they, uh, they talked a bit about, um, I think it was, uh, was a Robert Drysdale who actually might have mentioned it. Um, it was, I think it was both him and Shandi um, Ribeiro, but they'd mentioned that uh, one of the big differences, if you could, bring any if you could talk about any actual differences between american and brazilian jiu-jitsu if there are any the big one would be the systemization yeah yeah right and and, and um that makes i mean that, that's as a 
culture, America is, is very systematized, in particular compared to what I understand how Brazil is um, culturally. I've never been, so I, I don't want to speak too much to that. But um, America is a very systematized culture. Like we like things to be in order in a row. There's rules. We follow them. Our mayor school systems are very structured, all that kind of stuff. And so it's not surprising to me that if we have something, a sport that isn't super systematized, it's more kinesthetic in the way that you learn. And it's like you said, it's kind of, you just do this and this and this, and you figure it out. Um, that's what a, like a high level American would do is they would say, okay, well, I'm going to write out every single thing about this that I feel in the best way possible. And then I'm going to teach people how to do those small things. Um, right. That's exactly what I would do. That's actually what I try and do. Um, when I teach and that's irrespective of having watched Danaher and how he does it. That's why before I even ever listened to Danaher, that's why, that's how I started to try and teach kids classes. It's like, how do I effectively teach an eight year old how to do a forward roll by just telling them to roll over their shoulder? Like it doesn't make any sense. Like you really got to be specific so they understand, you know, cause they're kids. Um, yeah. yeah. But I would say that that well, it's like the old saying, uh, I was going to say, I think that, that that was probably, that was my big takeaway. And what I would say, if there's a difference between whatever Brazilian jiu-jitsu is and American jiu-jitsu, the only difference that I would see is the, um, that systematic approach to teaching it and breaking it down and saying, okay, like these are the things, which the Gracie's kind of did with their Gracie Academy stuff. Like they did, they did do that, um, which yeah. is probably why it was successful in America, honestly. Is because they're like, hey, here are the 36 fundamental things you need to be able to defend yourself against an uninformed attacker who tries to mug you and your girlfriend. It's like Americans like that. So it's like I, I can learn these things and get good at them. And then, you know, in the 70s, I'll be a badass. Um, and in the 2020s, maybe not. But we'll see because everyone knows stuff now. But <laughs> Actually, I'm glad you brought that up in the spirit of uh, credit where credit is due. Everything I've seen from... Um, Henner and Heron and Horian, um, those guys are master educators yes. as well. Yeah. Like they really they, are. They teach as good as they roll. Dude, I've been to uh, a couple yeah. of Henner seminars um, here in Washington. And uh, yeah, dude, like they would do like super seminars. So they would go over like back control for the first half of the day, then side control for the second half of the day. And like most of my game is pretty much from that like the back control seminar that henner taught was basically the back control that danaher teaches right but henner teaches it in the gi right yeah and danaher has way more details for the for no gi but yeah it's it's pretty conceptually it's the same right and so i was like so i was i was exposed to that like in the beginning and then i was like oh man Whenever I have the back, I'm just doing that, right? You got the rear naked, you got the arm bar, triangle transitions after, mm -hmm. and then Far side yeah, side. dude. I mean, like you just do, you just yeah, exactly. Weak side for life, man. Yeah. So, uh, and then side control. I did the side control seminar, and like, dude, that's all I do on top side. Like, I just go for those same basic transitions, submissions from top side, and that's the like Henner, Henner, and here on they're they're really good instructors. Oh yeah. I have, have, a, have a way of making it stick. Speaking of weak side for life, I have a quick funny story, if I may. Um, so I'm teaching Zoom classes for, it's mostly kiddos at the moment because they do it at 4.30 um, right. p.m. But uh, I have a dummy, like a non-live, like a stuffed dummy that I use so I can only do so much. And so um, I'm doing a little bit of back take stuff. 
and because it's it's doable and so i'm kind of explaining the difference between um strong side and weak side and kind of why you would want to do one or the other and some some of the benefits and like how it's a lot easier obviously to do the rear naked when you're strong side but it's fairly difficult when you're weak side given just the angle yeah. and your your lower arm like it, all this stuff's hard so i'm showing them okay we got strong side we have rear naked weak side we can do just a straight choke no reason to try and roll them over just do straight choke it's a lot easier i'll show it to you one of my students she's four she's brand new and her dad is her her dummy and she's tiny and her dad's like probably like my size he's not a big guy um but she can't do a actual weird naked choke on him her arms aren't big enough so so <laughs> i teach her like and she she can't really do like typical back because she's too small so she has to like hug her body up to his armpits so her legs her legs are like wrapped in his armpits basically um <laughs> it's like a koala like it's hilarious and so like i'm showing her like you know step on the hip when you like get on his back and you roll to the side and bring your legs up so that they're in the armpits and you'll be able to make this work so i show her how to do a straight choke and she like slaps it on super quick and her dad like almost gets sick (laughs) because she like she basically like hit him right in the throat with her with her like she like karate chopped him in the throat (laughs) and i just see him like cough and like roll over and and she's like smile big smile she's like super happy and he's like trying to puke on camera it um it it was the best it was so great (laughs) you know speaking of the the gracies and stuff um and bo if you can if you can catch any of this i've seen a little bit of footage of everybody when they were young like henner and heron when they were super Mm -hmm. young and whatever other vintage footage but something i noticed that was really distinct about how they train kids it's like they don't really teach them anything but they're always playing games so it's not like okay this is the correct sequence of steps to set up and perform this arm bar it's developing games that work on the um the the motor skills the reflexes what to look out for like all this stuff so they don't even realize they're learning um, and that's another place where, to me, it really stood out how well they did that. And of course, you know, everybody, um, at least from the earlier Gracie family, grew up that way. Yep. You know, yeah. all the yeah. kids, they all you know grew up that way. All like 20 of so, them or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude, dude, Alio got around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think that's, that's another thing that shows me their understanding of not only how to teach somebody, but when to teach them or how to adjust yep. your teaching for little kids. Like they work with little kids a lot. Uh, it's, it's awesome. It, it's stood out as the best I'd ever seen. I've seen kids classes before and they're, you know, kids classes, are, mm-hmm. they're kids classes are cool. Um, but they were, they were doing it significantly different, yeah. but you could see that they're teaching all the same stuff, but the kids didn't realize yeah. it, like, snick it in. Brian does that with how he's organized his classes. Is he, He's very similar. He does a lot of games um, and stuff, and he'll show moves and things, but um, it's always interspersed in between the games. What I started doing because he does that is I started intentionally making my classes without, because what he would do is he'd set up obstacle courses. You know, they'd have like a step ladder and stuff and you jump over this, things like that to work on motor coordination skills. As I started to do my classes, kind of the opposite of him, and that I would focus more on doing like one or two moves at all, like concepts, con- conceptual moves. Um, 
in different positions throughout the whole class so that they're working on like one fundamental move like say a forward roll and then they'll do it in a bunch of different positions so they can understand that you don't just do this when you have the back in this position it's like it can work in a whole bunch of different areas um just to see how they learn both ways so they get enough repetitions of doing things so they can actually understand that they're doing something and then also they can do it in an environment that isn't super stressful and then the pandemic hit so i'm gonna see um it it seemed to be working what i what i noticed with the older kids with the younger kids is hard like four to six year olds in particular like i don't do it with them because they're four right like that in particular like you just need a bunch of games and Plus, they're fun with the kids because they're tiny. As you get like 10, 11, 12, they can they start to understand it a little bit more. And a lot of our 10, 11, 12-year-olds, they're serious enough where they're like, okay, like I can go, I want to go a little bit harder and try and win a game, you know? Um, so I start, I've started to increase the intensity with which they train, though not to the le- not to a level that I think anyone would be alarmed by. I'm not trying to hurt all the kids out of the class, but uh, um, the games that I introduced are more like uh, King of the Hill style games. That kind of thing. Like, if you win, you stay. If you lose, you go back. Or maybe win or lose, you go from top to bottom. So your top position, then you go to the bottom position, and then you go to the wall, and then you move back and forth. Um, but yeah, the games are fun. It's fun to watch the kids learn different movements in jiu-jitsu without realizing that they're doing them. Like, we do four-point base, so you go from, like, a crab position to a bear position, you know? And that's, like half of what you do when you're on the ground is like you're you're basing out in four three point base like that's what you do you know and when you're in a crap when you're in a crap position that's like you're often in a position like that when you're an open guard um usually it's only with one hand instead of two but like they have no clue and then i show them like how to do a butterfly sleep and, and it's like this is the same position as when you do the crab to the bear like you're literally doing the same thing and they're like oh oh <laughs> Wax yeah, yeah. Wax and so but because i started to notice that like they didn't realize that i started to implement more of that stuff so they could understand conceptually like i can do all these weird movements that we do for fun in like 50 positions and so then it isn't like when i get here i have to do this it's like i can just be in a bear position every time i grapple because that position works everywhere you know or like uh s mount's a good example of that s mount comes up all over the place it just you only think about it when you're taught how to do it, an arm bar for mess mount, you know, like you slide the foot up to the head and then you bring your knee past the yeah. back. Like yeah. that's S mount. But like that comes up everywhere, you know, and you can do it in a whole bunch of different positions and um, just the subtle hip movements and rotating your, your body back and forth from one butt cheek to the other. Like that's all it's all very important um, when you sit out from like a side control, when you do a sit out to the head or to the feet to step over into mount or something like you're basically in that same position. Um all these things and so i'm trying to teach him like if you warm up this way then you can just do this stuff all the time like now instead of okay i'm in yep. i'm in ha- uh, a side control now i have to look at the legs and control the hips and then step over to mount and then slide up into half you know or um, s mount it's like well now that i'm here i can just go to i can just do a sit out and then i can step over into into s mount and then do an arm bar like then it's just one three steps instead of ten you know um we'll see i'm not sold if it'll work but it's, um, it's a whole different animal, man. Teaching kids is way yeah. harder than adults, man. Yeah. It, it really, no, it really is. I, I love it, though. Like, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. But it, yeah. They're like my guinea pigs. It's like, I'm just going to try this for a while and see if they get better or worse. And <laughs> hopefully they don't get worse. <laughs> you know, and 
And hopefully none of their parents listen to the podcast. Right, yeah, right, exactly. But I mean, I think that's how it has to be, though. It's like, you know, they're, each kid, A, learns differently, and um, kids learn differently as they get older, and uh, kids learn differently than adults. And, you know, so it, it's kind of a balancing act of, okay, like, do I push them super hard? Because there's some kids who, like, they actually want to compete and they like to go a little bit hard. It's some of the more aggressive boys in particular. And so do I want everyone to go super hard? And, like, we have a cutthroat, you know, youth program? No. Most of our kids would quit because they're not like that because that's not how Brian is. Yeah. You know, like, he's cultivated a, a low-key, laid-back style. Um, but, you know, at what point do you increase the sophistication with which you're teaching techniques? And moves and concepts. Mostly I teach concepts versus anything else, like why you do things and why it works. But um, I've never really had to do that. So it's it's fun to like take all these kids and be like, okay, we're going to try something new. And, uh, you know, like, <laughs> Let's play see how it goes. Called, Tell me if this Yeah, is- <laughs> exactly, exactly. Like, so, but um, it's a, since Brian's done it his way and it works so well, it, it gives me the freedom. And he doesn't mind that I do it differently. It gives me the freedom to try these things and see how they work in juxtaposition to how he does it, um, which I really enjoy because it, I can I can tweak how I do it. And it's also my personality is different than Brian. So, like, the way he teaches with a lot of games and laid-back nature, like, I'm fairly laid-back, but um, I'm much more like, let's get to work. Like, I like to joke around. I think Dan Herr mentioned this. I'm very similar to him in this. He was like, when it comes to teaching stuff, I'm a, I'm a, it's like I'm a military, like, general like i teach it the way it needs to be taught you need to listen like you're saying about fundamentals but he's like outside of the gym or outside of class he's like i think that everyone needs to goof off and and have fun and like just really let it loose and that's how i am like i have a lot of fun and i'm, I'm a huge jokester and i love it but when it comes time to do jujitsu like i'm all business like i want to learn jujitsu and so I've, sometimes I have a hard time like just doing a bunch of games during class with all these kids and they goof off and don't pay attention. When I'm like, I, I want to be like, no, do all the, but I can't be like, I'm, I don't want to be like a dictator and it's not really super my style. So I have to like cultivate the middle ground of like, let's have a little, let's have a lot of fun, but you need to shut up and listen to me now. Cause I'm showing you something important. We're going to drill for 20 minutes so you can get it down because you don't know how to do a stand up and bass. And that's important. So I'm going to teach yeah. you how to do a stand-up and bass for 25 minutes. I don't care how you feel about it. Like your partner's going to... I actually do one of the games where like the whole point is like they try and stand up and their partner actively tries to push them over. Any way possible. I don't. You can't punch them or kick them, but push them at an angle and knock them over. Like the whole goal is to not fall over. Like otherwise, why are you doing a stand-up? Like if you can't stand up, like it's you're worthless. Or it's worthless, not you, but you know... <laughs> <laughs> any 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 parents of the kids i don't call them worthless okay like I, <laughs> all right like if you want me to do that it's gonna charge you get to charge extra so you have to pay more but um but yeah so it's 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 definitely a different beast though that's for sure the the teaching the kids is uh it's yeah, a lot of fun though yeah. i i love it it's it's super enjoyable but um it's a fascinating yeah. puzzle like how to get an idea out of your head into somebody else's head, particularly if they don't learn the same way yeah. you do, right? So you just got to yeah. keep trying to and get And keeping the their attention the whole time too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah. Brian once told me that um, I was the disciplinarian in kids' classes and he was the, like I was the bad cop and he was the good cop. <laughs> because I would just... I <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Cause he's so laid back, like kids would goof off and then 
I would wait because I didn't know when I first started teaching kids classes. I didn't know if um, I was supposed to like tell him to shut up and pay attention because he would just like <laughs> let it go on. Yeah, and finally, yeah. finally one day I was just, I would, I forget, I don't even remember the situation, but I basically was like, hey, and I like snapped my fingers like pay attention in the middle of Brian teaching a, a move or something. And then he never said anything, but just from then on, like, I just was the one who, like, kept the class in order when they goofed off. And then Brian dropped a hit one day, and he's like, hey, you're, you're like the bad cop to my good cop. And I was like, I don't want to be the bad cop. And he's like, he's like, yeah, some of the kids are afraid of you. That's what he told me. <laughs> Dude, that's why that's why parents sign their kids up for martial arts, right? It's yeah. to teach discipline, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they probably don't want to do it at home, so they sign them up no, for yeah, school. You know, that's very true, but he's basically he was like, the kids are afraid of you. And I was like, Keep I don't want him to be a thing, bro. I was like, Keep I don't want him to be thing. afraid of me, though. And he's like, no, it's a good thing. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not trying to get them afraid of me. I'm just trying to get them to listen because jujitsu is amazing, and they're they're fucking off. Like, nothing that they're doing is more important than how good jujitsu is. And if I yell at them, they'll understand that. That's that was my, that's my thought process. That's how that works, right? <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but and then yeah, once he told me that um, I scared all the kids, I started to, um, I li- I lightened up a little bit. Because I didn't want him to be scared. <laughs> uh, I really hope none of the parents are listening to this because they're, just, they're never going to they're never going to enroll their kids again. <laughs> they're going to be like Bo's a tyrant in it, or maybe they will. Yeah, like, maybe they yeah, will. They need that. They need that. Yeah, they're, they're stuck with the kids all day, man. They they need that. Yeah, I mean that that was early on too. Like, because I've been teaching the kids classes with Brian for like two years, and. um what I've actually found is that um, I've, I had one of the, the youth kids mention it. Um, it took a while for everyone to understand, like, my personality is like a teacher because that's what it takes when you have a new adult in the class. Right. And um, teaching the kids like they have to you have to like test each other and they have to learn what the teacher is like, what they can get away with, what they can't. Um, and so the big trick for me was like, how do I teach them? that I want to teach them stuff and I'm serious about it, but I also want them to have fun because I don't want to be a disciplinarian where they can't laugh and smile and it's all business. But I want them to know like there's times when you can goof off and there's times when you can, when I need you to, to lock it in and do stuff. And it's a hard balance, but like, it's a fair balance. Like, and, um, it took me like a good year to figure that out. And, um, one of the youth kids mentioned that, um, that she had, she'd noticed that like, she had figured it out, but all the other kids started to figure out, like, you can tell when I want people to learn. They know when it's like, okay, Bo's teaching something. we got to be quiet. And then once you do the moves and stuff, you can have fun because I like them when they when they goof off. But um, that was – which made me feel good because then it's like, okay, now I'm just like an asshole. Like, they're actually getting what I'm trying to get across is like, <laughs> I want you to goof off at certain times. And then there's times when I need you to, to pay attention to do this stuff because it's important, you know. Um, and I can't always just tell you this is important. Listen, now screw off. It has to be something that you intuit. Otherwise – I'm just telling you how to act all the time. And that's not, that's not right either. Like it has to be something you kind of know, learn, learn to flow with, but, but yeah, I have a question for you, Chris. Um, you mentioned you've been to uh, a seminar with Henner seminar. Um, how many of the uh, Gracie's have you had the chance to like train with or go to their gyms and, and, and learn from and stuff? There's a lot of, there's a couple of Gracie's in Hawaii. So um yeah, I actually never trained in Hawaii. Never have. For me, for me, 
Yeah, I never have. So like I started, I started jujitsu after I moved to the mainland, right? So I never, and every time I go back home, like it's always like vacation for me. It's like I train yeah. hard here and then I go home, I just relax, I'll lay out on the beach all day. So I haven't, but I think uh, nowadays, I think there's a, on Kauai especially, there's like two uh, Mendez brothers black belts that opened up a school there. Okay. So I think I might, uh, That's cool. I think I might go and check it out. But, and as far as like seminars, uh, I've only been to a couple of that Henner, Henner okay. and Gracie seminars, and those were awesome. But yeah, it's it, it was crazy. Yeah, I never, I never uh, trained in Hawaii, but I had some uh, high school friends that started training jujitsu, and like they're black belts now. And one of them is actually uh, he co-owns a school with uh, Kurt Osiander in okay. uh, san francisco that's cool scanning, yeah. yeah small scanning jake scoville and he's he was a competitor and uh, i think when kurt osiander left half gracie's in san francisco they opened up their own school okay there and so yeah but there's there's like killers in Hawaii, and yeah i think helson was the guy that uh started everything up in hawaii yeah he like, was in, uh, mo- yeah. first moved to Ca- california in Torrance, and then Helton was like, "All right, I'm going to Hawaii and yep. surfing and jujitsu there." And there's a whole bunch of Helson Gracie affiliates in Hawaii. So, I haven't I haven't been to a Helson affiliate, but or at Helson school, I've been wanting to. But I've been to um, Luis Herrera's in Maui. In um, yeah, I, he's one of the places I want to check out too. Yeah, and nothing but good things there. No, he's he's great. He's a he's a Pedro Sauer. Yeah. Uh, Hickson black belt, and um, he, he's technically yeah, yeah. a Hickson black belt who's under Pedro Sauer's affiliate. Um, why that is, I'm not entirely sure, but uh, that's how he advertises. But uh, he's really good. I've been to him. I went went to his classes, and uh, he's a beast. He's tiny. He's Brian's size. He's actually skinnier so than Brian. Rolled, I think you rolled with him. Yeah, so I got to roll with him. Roll yeah, with him. so I, nice, I went to one of their nice. like like one p.m. midday classes, um, and there was probably 10, 15 people there during the day. It's, uh, he's got a huge gym. Yeah, gym's gigantic. Um, it's like eighty foot, no eighty foot. It's like thirty foot ceilings. It's like an old, like a warehouse basically behind like um, nice. yeah, and uh, he's good. Good airflow, but yeah. like. The mass size probably had 5,000 square feet total. Like, it was really big. Um, but he he was, like, an eight-time Brazilian national champion back in the day in the 90s. Like, he was real good. And, like, one of the most gentle people I've ever rolled with. Like, it, it was odd to me to, like, to, like, grapple with this guy who I got... At the time, I had, like, 40 pounds on, 30 pounds on. You know, he's yeah. 140 pounds. And... It, 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 it was like rolling with a cloud. That's what it felt like. <laughs> like it was always there, but I could just move it. Like he would just let me move him wherever I wanted. And then when he, when he finally decided he wanted to like tap me out, he would just find a submission there. He was just kind of yeah, like floating yeah. along. Like it wasn't a big deal and no, hardly any aggression. And then, um, just blowing. yeah. And then I watched him grapple with one of his Brown belts who was, which I grappled with his Brown belt and the Brown belt was very good. Um, very fun, but very good. The guy was like six two, six three, like two twenty, just stacked, just a huge dude. And Luis violently fucked this dude up. 
<laughs> like just violently fuck this brown belt up like like they, they they were like smiling they slapped hands and he like walks up there's they started standing he like walks up to him grabs a collar and a sleeve jerks his hands up and just smashes this gigantic dude into the ground like i've never seen a small guy like basically just snap a dude down and proceeds wow. to take his back and just do like a flying like a flying lapel choke like he like did right. a yeah, he just like threw the leg over the head and did this flying lapel choke clock. I think I call it a clock choke. Um, and uh, just absurd. I'm like, okay, put a little bit of aggression in. And like, he's like, in his, he's like 50. And just like <laughs> ran circles around, like probably one of his best brown belts. The guy was like in his early to mid 20s. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm glad he didn't do that to me. You know, I'm really glad. <laughs> Those old school guys, man, they can do it. They can give a beating, man. There's a, I know, there's yeah. a YouTube youtube series uh rolled up or something if you guys ever watched that i've heard of it uh, it's like it. it's like a, a black belt i think it was a crazy baja black belt and he goes to all these different schools and famous instructors and rolls with oh, them yeah, yeah, so yeah, he goes he goes yeah. to the half gracie in california and he rolls with health <laughs> and health just messes him up big yeah. time like he he was saying like he couldn't do anything and like half like brutally brutally beats him up chokes him out everything yep. it was amazing it was amazing the uh yeah how powerful yeah, yeah. Dude. the uh the owner of um origin the gi company um p oh, roberts yeah, yeah, yeah he used to do yeah. a um a magazine like a or a vlog and he would go around and train with people this is oh. like this is like eight or nine years ago and um he was like part of the BJJ Weekly like YouTube video vlog thing, and mm. there's like there's probably like a couple dozen videos where he just travels and trains with like the best black belts, and they just fuck him up. Yeah, uh, yeah. And he's actually a pretty big dude, but it that'd be a lot of fun just to get paid to travel to like yeah, dude. All the all the best tr- coaches and competitors, and just let them manhandle yeah. me, and I get paid to do it. Like yeah, it it sounds- was, it- that's basically what that dude from uh, flow grappling yeah that's what that what he does now yeah flow grappling does it now that youtube uh video series yeah that's what they used to do and same thing with pete roberts yeah yeah Yeah, it'd be kind of interesting to see how pedro was back in the day there there's there's like that famous bodybuilding he goes against a bodybuilder yeah yeah yeah. but like Dude, Pedro Pedro trained with like Mark Kerr or not Mark Kerr. Who's a who's a wrestler? Mark Sh- Mark the, Schultz. Mark Schultz. Mark Schultz, dude. Mark Schultz. He, if he, he so Mark yeah, Schultz. Dude. not only did he train with Mark Schultz, he gave Mark Schultz his black belt in jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And like that. other killers, dude. Yeah, te- like, technically that, speaking, that yeah. yeah. Is, technically speaking, crazy. Mark yeah. Schultz is a because Mark Schultz has a like a grappling studio, and he's technically a pedro affiliate yeah yeah and i think that's where mark schultz uh trained with hicks into like hicks yeah. was there and all that stuff but like dude pedro's like what brian size dude what yeah, like 150 no or no he's um 145 he, he's 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 my size your size he's uh now he's shorter yeah. now because of old age and all the screws yeah. in his body but in but his like, in his prime he was about 510 511 a buck 70 um he was yeah, a little bit bigger than brian um, just going against mark schultz and like yeah. every night, you know, man, that's that's crazy. You gotta be. That's probably why he's like, you know, he has all these injuries now or that something, actually, just going hard back in yeah. the day. 
Yeah. Well, he, he talks about that in a lot of his interviews. It's like he says that, um, you know, back back in those times, like they everyone went so hard that, you know, only those who had the best genes like survived. Like that's how it was. Yeah. Is you, yeah. If you either loved it in spite of all the injuries and just you just for you forewent the ability to walk in your 50s. Or you just yeah. simply quit because your body couldn't handle it. And so like a lot of the Gracies are going, the older Gracies are going through those issues. They're also genetically like pretty impressive individuals. Like all of them yeah. are very athletic and, and whatnot. But, um, but yeah, you see some of the older guys like Pedro doesn't really grapple much because he has like 13 screws and steel plates in his body. Right. Right. Like he's that, same, same with Hickson too, right? Hickson yeah. Like, hips or something like five or six fuse yeah yeah. yeah but back in the day that's what they had to do right to like prove yep. prove yeah. that jiu-jitsu <laughs> works <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, man yeah it's uh, it's uh i wonder how uh wasn't it was it big nog that fought uh bob sap back in the oh day? yeah nogira yeah yeah and that like it's basically a fucking cartoon match yeah because for anybody who's not familiar, Bob Sapp was this enormous individual that went to Japan for a little while to fight. He was, I don't know, six foot one or two, uh, like 375 pounds with he had, shredded. He, he, he hit a six pack. Shredded superhero. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, just crazy ridiculous. Basically zero fighting skill. But they would put it on as a, you know, an exhibition yep. or whatever because he was so giant and he would he just smash yeah. people. Um, until later on, he started getting beat. But anyway, so he fought. Uh, I think it was Big Nog. Is it, does that sound right to you guys? Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, and Big Nog ended up beating him, but uh, Bob Sapp at one point, I think he was going for like a triangle or armbar, but just picked him up and slammed him. He on did that his multiple head. times in that fight. I thought. Jeez. Well, yeah. at least one for sure that um, when like when he later on did interviews about that, it's like, yeah, that's where I fucked my back up. Uh, so I'm curious how something like that is affecting him now. Because that oh, was yeah. know, 15, 20 years I heard, ago. Like, you know, now I, I heard a, a year or two ago that he did an interview and mentioned that he, his neck is still fucked up from that. It's well, been yeah. 30 years or whatever, and his neck is still fucked up. Yeah, that's that's never going to be no, all that. No, 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 no. Um, well, something similar actually happened to uh, to Brown Belt Mark. He um, before he came to our gym, or maybe he was at, training with us, and he was went back to an old gym or another gym, and uh, he was training with um, rolling with somebody. He said he was rolling with a blue belt who had just come off of getting like second at um, Masters Worlds, or maybe it was just regular Worlds as a blue belt. It was a good blue belt. And he was training with him, and he normally when he's rolling with competitive guys, he'll kind of let up a bit and let them do their thing. But he said he got a little, you know, the guy was good, and he's like, okay, I want to shut him down. So he locked him in, I think, just like a regular triangle. And the guy was a bigger dude, he's like 220, and Mark's, you know, my size. And the guy lifted him and, sm like, dropped him onto the ground. And uh, Mark said yeah. that he... Yeah, he said that like it hurt, but that he continued the fight. He got the triangle, so he was pretty happy. And he actually continued to grapple for like the rest of the day. And then he like got home and had a headache. And it's, I think a couple of days went by, and then he like had a big issue with his neck. He like couldn't turn it, couldn't sleep, had massive headaches and stuff. Finally went to the doctor, and they're like, "Did you get into a car wreck? Like, what happened to you?" It was so bad yeah, they thought yeah, he had gotten. Yeah. 
and like he almost like died like it was a big deal um I mean, yeah he had to go to like the er or something like that yeah, or like, like he passed out or something yeah it was, it was crazy cra- yeah something crazy and um he's to this it's been a couple of years now but he's like he's like, he says he thinks he things have gotten better because uh, i think what he mentioned like the uh the carotid on one side was severed as a result of what happened. So he wasn't getting enough blood flow to his head, but yeah. it wasn't enough to like yeah. immediately like knock him. It was just like a problem, but it like must've been a clue. A clue. Yeah, it, 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 it was, it was like something pretty bad like that, but it like f- grew back or f- fixed to, to the best, you know, as best as it could or whatever. And he says that things are probably okay, but he's like, I don't, I don't roll with people. I don't know. I right. basically never roll with white belts, and um, dude, spazzy white belts are. The and most he is like, I do not let anyone get near my neck unless I know who they are, and there's I sure as hell I let someone try and choke me, um, because it's just not worth it. Um, and so he's like, I'll get in weird. He's like, I'll, I'll be grappling with someone who's. In, I'll get into a position I'm not comfortable, and all this tap, and people who don't know, they'll look at me and they're like, Why are you tapping? I'm in, I'm in side control, and it's like you're putting pressure on my neck. I not worth it and yeah yeah with mark man i just i just play guard and play on the bottom <laughs> like yeah. uh, he's he's pretty injury prone sometimes so i was yeah. like oh i don't want to i don't want to do anything i'll play it different Thank, yeah thankfully yeah. that's all i can yeah. do with him is because he's so good i can only ever try and play guard so i i don't even yeah. i don't even worry about trying to get to his neck because it never happens anyways <laughs> well dude he, i saw the, the very story that you uh, are sharing now i found this out after the fact um i rolled with him and i happened to get mount i forget how i did it but i was happy with that and i was it was really my my priority was just to maintain the mount so obviously mark's really good so i'm like okay let's Position over submission, so that's what I was working, and I got in a nice shoulder of justice, and I think I, mean, I had a, I held him there for two or three minutes, like I couldn't really progress, and he was defending well, and it was kind of a stalemate, yeah. but I was mashing my shoulder into his face about as hard as I could, and then he tells me he's got a bad neck. <laughs> Dude, Dude, you got to say that before, right. man. It can't be. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think yeah. that's because, like I said, he had mentioned that um, things have gotten better and he, he's still a little worried about it, but that it's not something that he worries about too much anymore. He just does like the flashback fear. That might have been yeah. why is that he was like, I can handle this. It's fine. And then probably what happened is after a few minutes, he was like, this is a little uncomfortable. I'm going to tell him just to. Well, no, it was, it was like. It was not completely unconnected okay. to that. It was a totally different. Oh my god! He was just happened to be telling me this story. I was like, a couple of days ago, I almost killed you. Like, what the heck? Yeah, yeah. And I think he even brought it up, like not trying to rub my face. It was like, oh yeah, like that one time that we were wrong. Why didn't you like, say anything? Fucking said something, man. That's funny. I love it. There is a what is that? There is a video of Marcelo in like Abu Dhabi or something. Absolutes and. He had some guy in a triangle, and the dude was way bigger. He picked him up, slammed him, yep. and you could see he was like kind of knocked out. He woke up and caught like some shoddy heel hook on the guy, and the guy oh, oh. or something. Oh, geez. so that yeah. was uh, I think it was like Rico Rodriguez yeah, or something. Yeah, him against Rico yeah. Rodriguez, and um, so it, it wasn't a triangle. He had he um he had had his back, and Rico was standing up. Oh, yeah, 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 and yeah. Rico literally jumped in the air and then landed on his back. So Marcelo was under him. He just jumps up and went back. Like, it was super egregious. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a it penalty was at the time, but, like, he bad. did it on purpose. It wasn't like he fell. He literally just, like, drops onto his back and lands right. on Marcelo. Marcelo, like, 
kind of gets up and just kind of like shakes it off a bit. And then like 15 seconds later, he heel hooks him. I, I feel he like will, yep. if you watch the video, the impression I get is that Marcelo was like, he didn't want to be a dick and say like, fuck you or anything. But he was sitting there and he was like, this guy's an asshole. I'm just going to heel hook. Him. I'm not going to beat him like <laughs> yeah. the, the Brazilian way, like the good way. I'm just going to heel hook the fucker because he doesn't know what he's doing and I'm better than him and I'm pissed off because he just like yeah. sits down. Rico steps over him and he just like locks in the heel hook and just immediately rips it. And the guy taps. And it's like almost exactly after they restart, like almost immediately he does it. And I'm like, go Marcelo. Like, yeah, that was that was awesome. That's I feel like, it's like if you're not going to play fair, I'm not going to play fair. Like, fuck you. That's the yeah. impression that I got from that. It's like, it's like I'm not going to play. I'm not going to honor. I'm not going to play honorably if you're not either. Like, <laughs> jerk. Because Rico's like he was like two man. Rico was like two fifty. Like he was huge. Thing, yeah, solid, solid muscle and all that yeah, stuff. Like just too. a big just dude. And... <laughs> Marcelo, he's not. He's like a thick guy, but he's not. He's not definitely not tall. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like a baby compared to Rico. <laughs> Although apparently Marcelo has like superhuman hand oh, yeah. strength, and like some, somebody gave him one of them squeezy testers to you know see how much, uh, how many pounds of force that you can generate. Yeah, uh, and he broke it. <laughs> Jeez. He, he maxed it out and broke it. And 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 he has like so. tree trunks for legs too. Like his legs, yeah, dude. Look at yeah, his calves. Yeah, thick. That's one of those genetic yeah. signals. His foot cat, like oh shit, yeah. 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 There's this single guy. leg X X guard, man. That's he's legit with that. So. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. Chris, yeah. Chris, I'm curious. Uh, what's the worst beating you've ever taken in in jujitsu? The worst beating. Yeah. Bo really likes to to invite our our guests yeah. to come on, make them feel welcome, make them feel good about themselves. Tell me about your most awful experience. Yeah, uh, it would it would be uh, there's this guy, <laughs> called him Big Ryan, and uh, he was uh, I don't know if you were here, Bo, when you first started, but yeah, he was a big uh, football player guy, and so he was thick. And he used to compete a lot. He was a blue belt though, but he it was from him uh, moving around a lot. Mm -hmm. So, and he was like a jujitsu nerd, so his game was pretty technical too. So he knew all like the latest and greatest. I remember him showing me like a he had like his mind map of like all these different jujitsu scenarios and all the options, all that stuff. But he like he just did whatever he wanted with me, man. Like big guy strong technical like i couldn't do anything and then uh i think he ended up moving away but then i guess the most recent one was like when uh when when the baja kirkland guys started coming over there's that yeah. brown belt guy what was his name oh the um... like troy super nice guy troy yeah, yeah dude yeah. brown belt yeah troy you gotta watch out. and uh <laughs> dude like that same thing i couldn't do anything with him and he just whooped me i mean he was super nice super nice guy and just like yeah nothing just get smashed the whole time yeah no you're right troy is a nice guy they uh was at this at his same school in kirkland for a while yeah. and unfortunately more than once i lost training days because of how oh. like oh shit i can't go in this week because my neck yeah is yeah or whatever it's like yeah 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 that's, that's a bummer <laughs> yeah so yeah. he he was he was uh 
He was the most recent beating, and then yeah, just like bigger guys, bigger technical guys, man. That's, ooh, I just Love get it. tough. I get a tough time. For me, it's <laughs> for me, it's always been the first time I rolled with Brian. Yeah, um, yeah, and he 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 says that he didn't do this, but I I got the impression that he wanted to like do it on. I, I got the impression that he did it on purpose because I did so little. I thought he was just trying to show me, like, kind of what it was I wasn't getting, you know? Um, yeah. Though he yeah. swears that that wasn't the case. I, I don't believe him. But Dude. but <laughs> when, the other one is, when like... When Brian turns it on. Yeah. When Brian turns it on, man, it's it's on. No, I very true. I remember catching beatings. Oh, yeah. yeah. But other than that, it's 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 almost like every... every The last time I rolled with Mark, every time, is, is like, the most yeah. recent beating. It's like there's a new beating every time I roll with Mark. <laughs> and so if I thought last week's beating was bad, like I know this one's going to be worse, you know. Um, Mark Mark and Dan. Yeah. <laughs> Mark and Dan is super tough, right? They're the same top pressure, heavy, <laughs> controlled. So you just got to work your defense and, and yeah, survive. I end up being half as yeah. good as Mark. But there are things that Mark does that you yeah. either don't know how to do or don't do. That um, I'm very, I'm, sure I'm, I'm very ready. grateful that you don't do them though. Um, he has, like he has a person. What what things are those specifically? And from what? <laughs> <positions from? laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm suddenly uh, I'm suddenly drawing a blank. From uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, one of the things he likes to do is he'll be in side control, until he'll, uh, he'll get a particular. <laughs> you're writing this down on your hand. <laughs> He'll get a grip, you know, just like standard gable grip or whatever, and um, underneath the shoulder blade, and then and then he'll mm. uh, he'll put pressure, um, and like it's so bad, you don't even need to put a lot of pressure. I actually feel like if you if you put too much pressure, you'll like separate the shoulder. Like that's what it feels like will happen, because it's right below the chicken wing. And you just simply roll a little bit of your weight basically onto the onto the hand. You can do it with one hand, but it, it it's feels better on your own hands if you do it with two. Um, like, that's one thing in particular. Um, his pressure is more intense than yours. Um, I, I know, but, like, you have, obviously, you have absurdly ridiculous pressure, but it's just different. Yours, it's different pressure. Um, sure. But... Uh, you fucked up a long time. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. You fucked up a long time ago if you get him on your yeah, side, never, man. You, yeah. <laughs> like, if he has side control, oh, man, it's done. It's done. Yeah, I know. It's, it's, um, it's, it's just subsequent beatings. It's also my favorite roles, though, are with him because, yeah, like, it's one of the few times where I'm like, I, I have one chance to do one thing in six minutes or ten minutes or however long we roll for. So, like, I have to pick, like, the smallest thing I can try and do and do it more than once and it's like the ultimate challenge it's like all right i'm gonna try to get swept for six minutes that's it that's the whole thing yeah yeah i don't care if i get choked or arm barred or like whatever he is not gonna sweep me if he manages to triangle me because like i won't go down like i don't care i I will give up a submission (laughs) to not get swept like (laughs) it's a lot of fun that's what I used to. I wonder if Brian's gonna make him get his black belt because he's been sandbagging that for a while. He, he was saying he wanted he wanted Mark to take his black belt test when whenever me and Bo did when Pedro came. Yeah. But yeah, but I guess you know one of the requirements is you got to know the self defense techniques. You, so, you got to know all yeah. of that. So yeah. well, that's, that's uh, what kind of turned Mark off a little bit. 
that's that's um that, i know that was a thing for for sean too brian wanted sean before sean left for kindred he wanted sean to get his brown belt um or to like prepare for it or whatever and sean's like no nah, i'm just not gonna do the I won't study the self-defense stuff, so you can't make you can't make me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Brian just like let it alone. He's like, okay. <laughs> but what yeah. I think is going to happen um, is once Brian is able to, so when he gets his, uh, he's up for his second or third degree, whatever degree you need to be able to give a black belt yourself, um, as per the federation or whatever. He's just, I think he's just going to give Mark a black belt. He's just going to show up at his house and be like, "This is yours. Shut up." <laughs> Like, yeah, he's definitely there for he's, sure. He's like, he's been, he's, you've been a brown belt for four years. Like, you're, you're yeah, you're at the black belt level. Like, I think he takes off his stripes too when he comes to class. He's always miss, he always missing like another stripe. I'm like, what? I don't know. Must have came off. Yeah, yeah, mine doesn't. Yeah. Mine doesn't even have stripes anymore. So, I don't oh, know. dude, they they've fallen off, and so uh, I, he doesn't. I don't, yeah, dude, that whole belt is about yeah, to go. You need yeah. to No, so I figured it out. What I'm going to do, this belt's got pl- many years left. I'm going to buy a bunch of purple dye. I'm going to dye this purple <laughs> once I get my purple belt. And this will be my new purple belt. And I'm just going to wear this. Yeah. I'm just, I'm just yeah, going to wear this until yeah. it falls apart. So it's got 10 years, at least. At least 10 years. I think you're about there, buddy. That's so, the way. Uh, no, this thing's going to fall apart very soon. It's getting a little frayed. I've had it for a long time. I've worn it a lot, so... Um, Chris, what's your uh, favorite submission? Oh, so I'm going to separate this out uh, in gi and no gi, right? Because I, I, I consider them different, different, different games. So gi, for sure, bow and arrow. And uh, no gi, uh, it's either uh, guillotine or like a head and arm, dars or... Uh, okay anaconda type deal so yeah some head and arm type deal for nogi so yeah yeah but i think like my i think my jujitsu game is kind of like it translates both well for gi and nogi because like yeah i do just I, I pretty much do the same thing um with the exception of just the gi chokes right but you get a bow and arrow you can get like a rear naked or you get like a head and arm you can get like a ezekiel choke mm-hmm. right and uh yeah all that all that stuff so it's it translates well so yeah like you don't really need to know like the full-on technique for bow and arrow right you just gotta know the concepts and all that stuff so i i like to consider them two separate games sure or, if you could yeah, uh yeah. if you could only do one type of submission for the rest of your life what would it be Oh, one type. Yeah. Uh, probably, I think I like a triangle just because yeah. it's like, you know, that's the symbol choke, right? Of the Grace Academy, the triangle. It's always sweet. In the in the gym, triangle, street fight, right naked, you know, keep it simple with that. But yeah, I like I like a triangle choke. It's just, I just think it's badass. Right, choking somebody with your legs. <laughs> like, what? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, especially you get those Danaher details. Yeah, right. right. Yeah, <laughs> that, that jumped mine up a notch or two after watching. Yeah, the and like, uh, yeah, dude, fucking Hoist Gracie and is that Dan Gable or whatever? He had him in a triangle choke. 
or not uh don fry no. was it don fry or uh, who's dan, the no, old school Se- dan guy? severin dan severin there we go oh, yeah severin, that's severin, the one severin. that's the one, that's the one. Yeah. yeah yeah dude triangle choke dude he had him in a triangle yeah, for like awesome. 10 minutes too that would have been painful yeah. for yep. my legs aren't yeah. very long i do was huge like my, i feel like i wouldn't be able to walk after that just trying to hold that Supposedly, in for that long. Yeah. Dan Severin said he like pity tapped though, because like he's seen Hilly Elio on the sidelines and all that stuff. I, I thought I heard him say that in <laughs> some, some interview or something. <laughs> yeah, or something like that. Yeah, there's a little there's, bit of something. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, surprisingly, like I never I never uh watched like the old UFCs until after I joined Jiu-Jitsu. I know like everybody says they seen the first Mm-hmm. UFC and see Hoist Gracie choking people out like I never seen that until like later after I started jiu-jitsu like after I started jiu-jitsu like I watched everything man I got super into it mm-hmm. like learned all about the Gracies how they started like picking street fights in Brazil you know with everybody right they were they were pretty much yep. yeah they were do- dojo storming yep. the whole time yep. to yep. get it popular that's why they weren't necessarily angels. Yeah, yeah. No. That's and 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 there's sort of like controversy that you know Elio wasn't the guy that started it too, right? Drysdale is coming out with like some documentary about like the origin. Oh, yeah, really? yeah. I'm excited for that. From what I understand, so, like, yeah, there were a couple of different guys who learned from the there. the Japanese delegates who came over. Yeah, yeah. Like a couple of different guys, Maeda taught and yeah. So there's no like straight, pure Elio Gracie Jujitsu. Like he wasn't the founder that they were hyping him up yeah, to. Yeah, the, the Gracies are good. Yeah, ones, yeah, for, for sure. Because sure. um, there was was the uh, the Luta yeah. Libre yeah. that kind of branched off as well. So it was kind of the the poor man's Jujitsu. Yeah. Um, and that's was something that you don't hear anything about really in this. Yeah. Right. right. So I, I imagine that's going to show up in Drysdale's documentary. Yeah, and like well. there's like a whole bunch of other red belts, you know, in Brazil yeah. and stuff, like super old guys that are not they're like the, crazy uh, affiliated. Yeah, they're the uh, they're the the forgotten ones. Yeah. 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 Because so, uh, yeah, because yeah. he came over, taught it to Carlos, the oldest brother, or the oldest yeah. of Elio's brothers, um, and then a few other people learned, and then they actually like opened up a school to teach, and they taught a bunch of people. And right. then they kind of like branched out over the years and like went up throughout their you know their lives. And then the Gracies, like you said, Dan, were good marketers, and they're like, it's just us. And it's like, eh, I mean, yeah, no. <laughs> if you want to be technical, like Elio, Elio, I think probably did the most of all the older Gracies in terms of what we know today is like Gracie Jiu Jitsu. Cause yeah, he, cause yeah, he's the one sure. who, he's the one who, you know, had to do all this stuff because of his size. The, the family made it all possible for us to train now. Yeah. Right. But yeah. to go yeah, along with that marketing issue, like I remember specifically, and if you actually look at the, uh, so the old, um, Elio Gracie jujitsu book that we're supposed to read and do the, mm-hmm. the, the tests for that they test you for purple, blue, purple, and brown. Um, if I remember correctly, yeah. in that book, but I use, I've read before years ago that for a long time, Elia was marketed as like a sickly young kid who couldn't do jujitsu with his brothers and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. If you look him up, that's actually changed. Like he's, they've, they've like revised that and he, because he was like an athletic kid. He was like a swimmer or something. Yeah, like, like he, I, yeah. And 
for the longest time they like marketed that elio was that he had like like copd as a kid or something like he couldn't breathe and he was frail and so he had to develop he couldn't do a pull-up or something yeah, like that like, right? and he couldn't definitely couldn't swim they wouldn't let him do sports because they because he couldn't breathe oh, yeah. enough to do it like and so he, he developed jujitsu because he couldn't do judo basically he wasn't strong enough to do judo basically and um and so he laid on the ground and tried to do everything on the ground and then got good at it and and in reality like he was like fairly he was the smallest of the brothers like he wasn't a big guy but he was athletic and smart yeah like yeah. that's really what it was he, I, he was yeah, just like well, i think drysdale's documentary is gonna cover a bit of this so yeah i'm excited i remember yeah i'm looking be, forward to that is there a release date I, I don't know i think it's supposed to be i think because of covid got yeah. postponed but yeah Oh, so reasonably yeah, soon. Yeah, pretty though, soon. Or... Pretty soon. Like I think they, he, cool. he already did all the filming and interviews and all that stuff. That'll so, be that'll so, be cool. Yeah. Mainly, yeah, yeah. I'm all into that. That's that's awesome. So I got uh, I got one last question for you myself. Um, what's your favorite grappler? Oh, favorite grappler. I'm gonna separate this again. So gi and no gi. Okay. So I think men. Uh, Mendez bros for the gi like I like to follow them a lot they're just animals in the gi and uh, for no gi um, right now it's like all the Danaher guys right Yeah, Gordon Craig Jones and all that stuff but I do like the I do like the old school Hicks and Marcelo so <laughs> I got a bunch I got a bunch <laughs> so yeah Hicks and Marcelo for old school and yeah Mendes bros for the gi and and uh Danaher guys for the yeah I think that's a fair distinction yeah. the, like old school versus new school yeah like and yeah yeah two total different games too with the gi and no gi yeah but uh oh yeah for sure. who do you like yeah. who do you like more between the Mendes brothers Hafa or uh, Gi? Dude, they're they're to- they're both different. Yeah, uh, like uh, Gi Gi has the more pressure, yep. pressure based game, pressure passing, and uh, Mendez has all the crazy like athletic type techniques. Uh, I like I like them both. It's fun. Like it's both, fun actually. watching their differences and like when you really analyze like how different they truly are. Gi right, is like right. very much the like pressure aggressor. He's just like slow yeah, and yeah. brutal. And then Hoffa's like dancing around and doing flips and shit. Yeah, they're they're yeah. unreal. Like I like to take I like to take bits and pieces from both of them and try to add that to my game and stuff like that. But also like I like to look at uh, guys that are my body type. Yeah. So like I like I like uh also, who's that Atos guy? JT Torres. So like Craig Jones. Yeah, well, Craig Jones is taller. <laughs> I wish. That would be for you, man. That would be for you. So, but like uh, JT Torres is a guy and like Gary Tonin and all that stuff. They're, yeah. they're shorter, smaller guys. But uh, How tall are you? Like, I'm like 5'7". Okay. 5'7". And uh, yeah. Yeah. Like JT Torres, he's like the two-time Abu Dhabi champ. Yeah, he's good. Whatever, like yeah he he has wins over like uh gary tonin and stuff yeah. too so that's crazy i think i think he has like that uh like that brian attitude like don't give him your legs right don't yeah. give him your legs <laughs> and uh just win just win so like yeah i follow all of them i follow all, everybody and uh 
yeah, it's fun. I am. It's I'm a big fun. fan of the Mendez brothers too, in particular yeah. because they're they're actually my size. They're both about five ten, and a yeah, the, a buck sixty, buck seventy. That's where they competed at, and their body types are very similar to mine. One person, he's bigger than me, but I've been really enjoying the last year or two is Kid Dale. Oh, yeah, he's hilarious. He's fucking hilarious. Uh, his Instagram yeah. is just hilarious. His marketing yeah. is is absurd. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I've I've got a lot of his instructionals, and I like the way he teaches and how he conceptualizes yeah. jujitsu. It's I, I that's I like how he like doesn't really like to drill. And yeah. like he does more conceptual based learning and all that stuff. And I think I, that's that's how I do it too. Like how I learn. Like yeah. Since you know, since I was like when I was only going to open mats, right? So it's always like that's how you had to learn. Doing like yeah, that's how I had to learn, right? And I think it's, it's uh, what is it, what's the term like deliberate practice yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So that kind of like debunked the whole ten thousand hours. Um, principle right so you gotta have like you gotta have practice but you gotta make it more whatever efficient yeah and do it with jujitsu with resistance and Mm -hmm. making sure that your techniques will work versus like you know somebody coming in and just drilling the moves day in day out with no no uh resistance no very true uh, he um how he conceptualizes jujitsu is how I conceptualize it. When I first heard him, he's a lot lazier than I am. Like he's like he like you you listen to him. And he's like I, I didn't want I don't like drilling because I'm lazy. He's like I don't want to do the work. Like it's, and it's like <laughs> kind of like me too. Yeah, right, right. But <laughs> he, I'm lazy. You know, he, he's like an Abu Dhabi World Pro Champion, and he's like I didn't want to yeah, put in the work yeah. to like do anything. And I'm like, like it's it's impressive that he's because he's so athletic well, he, he can get he, away with it but he got his black belt in like what, four, four or five years or so but yeah, the reason for is it's because of how he oh, conceptualized wow. jujitsu and he's yeah. a, he was able to take the concepts of how things work and he basically 80 20 jujitsu that's what he did yeah is he was like look how can i efficiently learn the 80 the 20 percent of jujitsu movements that are going to make up 80 percent of all of jujitsu or all everything i would do which the prayer right. distribution and and so he breaks down those things in his in his um this concepts in in his uh, instructionals and that's actually how i've always thought about jujitsu is like and that's why i was mentioning earlier about teaching kids to do like a forward roll and then showing them how it applies to like 10 situations so that they can understand yeah. that it isn't just like a singular movement you only do in a drill it's like you can right. just do this because it works in a lot of places like there's and that's basically what he does is he's like, well, if this is how a sweep works, I don't need to learn how to do sweeps because I know how to do a sweep. Like, I don't need to wor- learn a De La Hiva sweep and then a single X sweep and then a butterfly yeah. sweep. It's like, I just know how to do a sweep. So if I get into a weird position, I just need to satisfy whatever the requirements are for a sweep. And then I just do a sweep. Yeah. The per- you just you yeah, take you, away a post and a base, right? You, yeah, you just push the, the guy over. Yeah, the guy's going to fall like, down. So I don't... Yeah. Now, the problem with that is that if you don't have names for things, it gets really hard to catalog and remember how to do stuff. Like that's why we right. we have nomenclature for a lot of things is because you actually need to. And they mentioned this in that again in that American Jiu Jitsu movie, or like the old school Brazilians when they were competing, and you know in the early two thousands and stuff like they didn't have names for stuff. They just did stuff, right? Like that's what they mentioned. Yeah. And like so, Americans systematized it and. Yeah. You get better at stuff when you systematize it because you have a name. Like, I remember this. Like, that's why Eddie Bravo's 10th Planet is so popular is because it has all these crazy names yeah. but for these weird positions, but you remember them. And so you know how to get that's there. Right. Yeah. 
he caught heat for that too, yeah. right? Because like you know, he's calling like his moves, whatever, exactly control and all that stuff, and all the old school Brazilians were like, hey, you he's know. trying to make it his own or whatever. And, and it's all like, that well, stuff, you have but... to call this stuff by name so that you can remember how to, what it, how to get there. Otherwise, how do you describe it? Yeah. And Kid yeah. Dale's approach is like, nah, I'm just going to learn how to do like a few things and they're universal everywhere. And then I'm just going to go. And um, but yeah. my assumption is that part of the problem again with that is that you see a distinction between him competitively and then the top tier competitors yeah yeah like yeah. craig jones and is an example they trained together for years and he surpassed him probably in part because he's put in a little bit more work um into drilling things then he, he started training with the danaher guys yeah too, and that so. really leveled the game yeah. up and so yeah. there, there's like a limit yeah. to that but um i had i had a hard time initially my first year or so because um, brian doesn't really teach this way but a lot of how we do a good amount of drilling in classes and i had a hard time like understanding like conceptually why i would do things and then i remember when i first got turned on to him i was like oh everything makes so much more sense to me now because it's just there's like 14 movements that you do in jujitsu yeah like yeah that's it it's and too much they're like they're like <laughs> they're like slightly modified though for different positions but they're yeah. like they're all about the same you do, you know it, you can only run so many different ways right like it's the same thing. Um, right. And so I just want to get good at doing those things and then understand how they, how they work in different positions, um, which is way different and way easier in my eyes than let's learn every single sweep from half guard. And then let's learn every single sweep from butterfly. And then every single sweep from here or there, it's like, there's yeah. at some point you have 500, no I know 500 sweeps is a blue belt. Like I'm amazing. And it's like, right, you, just, right, you just forget right. it all. Like I'm, can't do any of them. Yeah, like, my name. brain doesn't work that way. Like I, I'm much more about the simplicity, which is why I like the old school uh, simplistic approaches because it. I want to change it a little bit because it, it doesn't fully work for me. But I like that simple approach of boil it down to the basic bare necessities. What's like? What's the most I can boil this down? That's I want to take that and then do what my body can do with it. You know. Yeah, yeah. But, for me, uh, it's like I'm a. I'm a I'm an engineer during the day by day. Yeah. So I have like that analytical. You need all the details. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. And then, but you know, when I go to jujitsu, it's like, dude, every time I try to do that in jujitsu, like, especially in the beginning, like I would just like freeze, like, you know, I would like pause okay. and then the guy would escape already. Right. So it's like, so I had to like adapt and like kind of just, do the conceptual part too and bring it all together and kind of just mm -hmm. go flow do the concepts and not really worry about the technique Techn being very technical is good and all but like when you're scrambling and all that stuff right the technique goes out the door yeah so like technical is good like in the gi when you're going to slower more uh slower movement but um when you're scrambling and all that stuff like you gotta you gotta have the con concepts down yeah to actually do stuff so yeah, I, I agree fully. Because yeah. when you're in that scramble yeah. and someone's trying to attack you, you're trying to attack them. You don't have time to. Uh, what was step yeah, number three? Right, exactly. Right. No, there's there's a head and an arm. Go right. do something with that. When when you when you I, I can make a choke happen yeah. somehow. Grab when you're it. thinking yeah. about st that stuff, you pause. Once you pause, the guy's out. Man, yeah. So. Exactly. So. Yeah. Once I uh, yeah. once I started thinking of jujitsu that way. Then I started yeah. to listen to more Danaher stuff. And Danaher actually explains it very similarly to Kid Dale. It goes into more in-depth, but it's all conceptually mm -hmm. based. It's like, why does yeah. this work and why do you want to do it? He just goes into more depth because yeah. he's crazy. Um, 
you know, but otherwise it, I view it very, very similarly. When I listen to them, it's, it all runs through me the same way. It's like, okay, why am I trying to do this? And what's the fundamentally, what's the biggest problem at any given moment? You know, that, that that's what I'm yeah. trying to solve is like, I'm in this yeah. position. How did I get here? And what's the way out? Like, what's, what, what should I be focused on? Cause often, like you said, you'll freeze up. Cause it's like, I don't know what to do. And there might right. be like 10 right. things you want to do, but there's one that's going to be more important than the rest usually. Yeah. And figuring that out. And um, what's, I guess it's the hard part. It's the fun, or the fun part of jujitsu for me at least is like determining what exactly I should be doing at any given moment so that I don't, mm-hmm. so I don't die. Going, going back <laughs> to the Mendes bros, like uh, the, on, on how they teach their class, like especially like, kids man they're they're really good kids instructors like i think all their kids like metal like every single time yeah so i think and the way how they teach too they i think they have they, they combine a little bit of both too like the systematize and the conceptual so as mendes bros are beasts they're good. Oh, yeah. both compet- competitors and instructors and it was crazy because like they they got famous like when they were purple belts they were like tearing up all these black belts yeah then how how their gym got started it's because uh there's the pat tenori he's that that ruka he's the founder of ruka that clothing brand okay he went to them when when they were uh purple belts pats he's like a black belt himself a carlson gracie black belt so he went to them when they were purple belts tearing the competition scene up. He's like, if you win, if you guys win every, every competition till black belt, then I'm going to, I'm going to make you a gym in California. So they did that. <laughs> they won everything, right? Black belt. Then that guy, Pat built them a gym in Southern California. And then that's how their school got started. That's and crazy. Tear, tore shit up in wow. competition. And yeah, now they're teaching kids. They retired. Now they're teaching kids and they're and athletes. They're just killers, man. So that was awesome. I saw a picture. I saw a picture yeah. once of uh, of Hoffa like in street clothes and civvies. He had like jeans and a shirt on, and he was like holding this like tiny dog with like a the dog had like a a sweater on it yeah. or something, and he just looks like a like a dork. Right. Right. It, I don't. I don't remember the like, meme. They just look like average yeah. dudes. I don't remember. Right? It was like, a, like it was like a meme or something. But the whole point was like this person could murder like ninety nine point nine percent of people on the planet, and he just yeah. he just looks like a dork yeah. from New York or something. Like he just got this tiny little dog with a leash and like a hat, like a goofy hat on, and like he just like has like a coffee in one hand. Yeah. And you're just like oh. you guys. You guys know like the Meow Brothers, right? The Meow Brothers yeah. are like smaller, yeah. like yeah. Japanese kids with like uh glasses and stuff yeah. but they can <laughs> f you up <laughs> like easy it's, al- it's, it's, it's always this, the, the the most unassuming looking tiny ones that you got to be on the lookout for right, that you got to worry right. about <laughs> that's, the, that's the best part about jiu-jitsu oh yeah <laughs> you never know dude that concept in general like learning that viscerally as everyone does when you train jiu-jitsu has mellowed me out more more times than I can count in just like on the street or whatever. Like, yeah, I don't know. No. Yeah, yeah. Not not worth finding out because just in case you, you just you can't yeah. tell. Someone that looks like they'd be a total pushover is like, no, no, nah, just let it go. Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> there's a video of Ryan Hall, like in a in like a restaurant. Yes. In a restaurant, and there yes. was some guy like causing trouble or all that stuff, and like he's just like eating the whole time, and the guy's like trying to fight him and stuff, and then finally he just gets up and like double eggs him and just yeah. takes him out the whole time, right, or something like that. Yeah. Like, just yeah, on him. yeah, dude. Him. Like yeah. these guys, they don't know, man. They don't. But they say you don't you worry about the guy that's chilling in the back, right? Yeah. Like in the bar versus like all the yeah. guy that's up in your face, right? Yep. It's exactly. crazy what this stuff does though. Like I think uh this would have been about two years or maybe two and a half years or so ago now. Um, my girlfriend and I were up at uh, a local bar getting uh it was like a Sunday after morning, like or noon or something. We were getting breakfast, like brunch. And there was this fella in there and he was already drunk. And he was being really inappropriate to the waitress lady. And we go there all the time. It's here in our town. And so we were trying to like see what we could do to help her. And he came over and said something inappropriate to my girlfriend. And we were just kind of ignoring him. And she got up and went to the bathroom. And he said something really inappropriate after she left. And the whole time I'm thinking like in my head... Before doing jujitsu, I would have been very afraid in that situation because this is a drunk guy. He's an older gentleman. He probably was like in his late 40s, maybe early 50s. And um, yeah, he was bigger than me. Not much, but he was bigger. And he was just being a little obscene. It was just it wasn't like I wanted to punch him. It was just like he was just said inappropriate stuff. Like he asked the waitress if she knew how football worked like the game. She's like, oh, do you know what? A, he's like, you know what a kickoff is? Like, I, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Something like that. Like, it was just condescending. And he said some inappropriate sexual things. And I was just like, God damn it. But I wasn't afraid. In my head, the whole time as he's talking, like, I'm not even really hearing him. I'm just like, if you get any closer to me, I am going to hip toss you. And I'm going to sit on you yeah, and I'm going to yeah. choke you. Like, in my head, I'm like, I'm waiting for him to step his left foot forward so that I can step into his hips and knock him over. I'm sitting in a high chair and I'm just going to drop down and hip, hip toss him onto the ground. Like, and the whole time I'm just rehearsing in my head. Okay, like he's got a jacket on. I could very easily collar choke him. This will not be a problem. Yep. He's very clearly right handed. I can tell by the way he's moving. Like, I'm going to break his wrist. If he, if he brings his hand to me, I'm just going to break it. And like, and so he, I think he said something inappropriate. I didn't even hear it because the whole time I'm just like, if you take one cl step closer and you touch me, I'm just going to break your wrist. I'm just going to, I'm just going to grab your elbow and pull your wrist in, in my chest. And you're just going to snap. And then I'm going to take you down and you're probably going to break your head open and it's going to suck. I don't want to do this. And I, and I was just like yeah. calm, like completely calm. I had no adrenaline, no nothing. I was just like walking through like exactly how I was going to break this guy's body. And he eventually just left. He just like walked out of the bar. Uh, I don't even think he paid for his drink or his drinks. But um, it was interesting to me, like after that incident, I was like, that's the kind of thing that jujitsu does. Is it like, like you said, Dan, it calms you down. It's like, yeah, in that situation, like I've been in fights before, not often. Um, it happened every, every now and again when I was a kid and like, it's nerve wracking to be in a fight. It's nerve wracking to be in those situations where a fight may start and like, you don't know how to defend yourself. Like it's scary. And the whole time I was just like, yeah. I don't care. Like, even if he knows what he's doing, like I will have the element of surprise and I'm going to break multiple bones. I'm not going to really try to, but I think if I, if I hip toss this dude into the ground, it's concrete. Like I'm going to break a bone. He's probably going to crack a rib. Like I, I'm realistic about what happens when you judo throw somebody on the ground. Like <laughs> it's going to suck. And yeah, but it would yeah. smack you in the face. With yeah. Like, yeah. And, but it, it was just one of those things where I, I was surprised by like 
my first thought was not fear. It was if he takes one more step, he will be off balanced just enough for me to hip toss him. I can just slide right into his hip and just throw him to the ground and land on him and he won't be able to breathe. And then I'm going to choke him. And then I was like, oh, is this something inappropriate? I probably should have listened to that. <laughs> like, I didn't even I didn't even care. I was just like, I'm just systematically like preempting the movements. And he didn't get close enough, thank God. And he, he ended up leaving. But um, I think that's probably partly why. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I think that's why people don't fight, though, after they learn like MMA and yeah. jiu-jitsu. It's just like, part, personally, I think they're probably just thinking about what they would do. So they're like trying to like prepare for it. But they're also just like, I don't want to hurt. I don't want someone to get hurt. I actually don't want to get hurt either. Like yeah yeah it's not worth it yeah you know but realistically i mean even if you end up uh with a better outcome it fist starts swinging you catch a shot in the chops yep. you loosen a tooth you break your nose whatever like even if you still technically win the fight yeah like some asshole just broke your nose i don't want to deal with that not worth it no not, not at all but... no. well not boys we are at uh two and a half hours Holy smokes. Shazam. Yeah. Goes quick. It does. <laughs> yeah. So uh That was awesome. I think it's awesome. I think it's actually our longest podcast thus far. So <laughs> I can keep going too, man. Like shit. <laughs> Need some beers next time. Well, I'd be happy yeah, to have you back yeah. on, man. Well, uh, awesome. Yeah, we can do it. We can do a happy hour next time. I will probably only have one yeah. drink because after one drink I get drunk. So uh, that, that's, that's the keto for you huh? that's the keto diet you've been on well I actually just, it's partly that um, I also don't drink much anymore and so uh, like it, I just my tolerance is super low um, I did I was telling Dan uh, a while back but I actually started introducing um, fruit into my diet mm. so I, I cut out vegetables most vegetables and added fruit yeah so like i i have like avocado and uh, sweet potatoes it's about the only vegetables i well i guess technically avocado is a fruit but um yeah you've been you've been following that uh paul saladino yeah guy, correct right? yeah, yeah yeah and so i I've, yeah he he does the what what does he call it the what kind of diet or whatever he technically he follows the, he call, follows the carnivore diet but there's a there's more yeah. of like a um he, he brands it as something else right i forget, I forget. uh I forget. nose to tail is what he likes to call refer to yeah it, yeah yeah but yeah. he talks about um introducing uh le- the the le- less to- least toxic fruits and vegetables the ones that have lower lectin right. levels yeah. and things like that and which i guess gets converted into aleolic acid or anoleic acid i forget what it, the acid it is whatever the case um that's been going pretty well my body's handled it well um yeah so that's been i mean nice. have, you, have you had issues with vegetables and carbs before or, yeah carbs so before? i i started doing keto because i had issues with uh just i had uh, ah. mostly gastrointestinal issues but i had issues and gotcha. and then um it improved like my life dramatically cutting carbs out and then um when I would have like cheat days or whatever, cheat weekends, let's say, have a couple of yeah, pizza yeah. and spaghetti that'll, or whatever, that'll mess you up. It would huh? just it is it just wrecked my body for like yeah. three or four days. It was very unpleasant. Yeah. So I stopped doing that, but and then I was a little worried to try fruits because I was like, well, it's a bunch of sugar carbs. Um, but right, right. I haven't had any problems, and so I think you might be onto something about the uh, the acidity issues with your body and how your body reacts. I, I'm starting to think that might have been what was going on with me when I had carbs. Is that I was having highly processed but also highly toxic 
carbs um foods with right. and stuff right. and it was just my body was like fuck you to that versus the carb itself it was more of the other stuff that was in the food that was bothering me um i've, I've done the the 30 day carnivore i've done carnivore for uh for like a month and stuff it was after uh sean baker was on rogan okay like a couple years back that's where that's how yeah. i first heard of it and then so that was how'd that go that was, that was pretty good like i felt pretty good i didn't get like the I think because I was doing like a keto, keto, like paleo type thing beforehand. So I didn't get like the sickness that everybody gets or yeah. like the whatever, the explosive diarrhea or something like that. Yeah. So I never got any of that. Right. I, the only I only felt it in like jujitsu when I was going hard and stuff energy wise only for a little bit. But after a while, I think I, my body got used to it. Then I was back to it. But like I, I've heard it works really well with like uh like endurance running. Yeah. Like if you're doing like a mm. fat for energy and all that stuff. But uh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. I, I'm I'm super into all that yeah. different types of I like it too, yeah. Nutrition. Brian mentioned as well that he when he because he's been doing keto for a while that his energy levels when he rolls yeah. is low. And I never I've never experienced that. When when I moved to the keto low carb style diet, my energy levels when I grappled went like skyrocketed it went from mm. one or two rolls kind of hard and i'd be exhausted to like i've been rolling for 90 minutes and i have like no problems i'm sweaty and yeah. you know breathing heavily but like i have energy and like i have more to burn um depends on your pace too i think on that like you know if you're if yeah you're, you know taking it easy or like you know keeping it controlled and stuff like that versus like if you're like full-on going hard trying to pass sure and, yeah um, and so it, yeah i i started to pick up my pace a bit because my energy was up and like yeah i don't yeah. like to go super super hard because I, I i just don't want to get hurt and i don't want to hurt somebody because that happens as you pick up the pace and you go harder like you're more more likely to to mess the technique up or whatever just right 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 not anticipate yeah how hard you're actually going but um what i noticed mostly is that i could consistently go at a higher pace for longer like that was I, I wouldn't need to go super hard sometimes it was i would just go harder than i typically did but not super hard for the whole for the for all of open map just the whole hour back to wouldn't matter like as an example tyler and i once went an entire hour together like blue belt tyler young blue belt tyler. yeah yeah, it, yeah like it wasn't a, it wasn't a problem for me like all over and he, you know, he's, he's young good. and athletic and explosive and good. And one whole hour, yeah, yeah one whole hour. And that's when I started yeah. to realize that, like, because I remember Brian had mentioned it and I was like, no, 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 I did this. Like, maybe my cardio is just getting better. I don't know. But, like, I was, you know, I, I didn't feel as fresh as I did before because I just spent an hour rolling, but basically nonstop. But, like, it, I wasn't exhausted. I was ready for bed. It was like 10. So I was tired. Nice. Like, it was, nice. like, it was late, but it, it wasn't like I just rolled for an hour i just i felt good i was like okay i could keep going if i wanted to um right right uh, brian, brian sent us that picture that keto bread right yeah yeah dude i've been eating i've been eating See, that I, dude that's all that was that's good i like that one the usual the other like keto bread or whatever that tastes like cardboard yeah <laughs> that one, I, had that to, one, I had to stop with friends i had to stop the keto bread it um that's actually partly what turned me on to Paul Saladino and like that car, the more carnivore style, the, mm -hmm. is that, um, mm -hmm. when I had more of the keto style bread and stuff, my body still didn't like it. Process. Yeah. It's still processed. It, it, right? it processed it weird. And so like, yeah. that's when I was like, maybe it isn't just low carbs, right? Cause technically speaking, there's 
no carbs in it or I mean, it will, yeah. there's no yeah. net carbs it's all fiber um fiber right yeah right. it's all fiber and so um and i think my, how my body processes fiber is just different than what the average person does like i and so it, it, when I, I bought a bunch of loaves and had a bunch of sandwiches and you know grilled cheeses and stuff and yeah, like yeah and it was good and then like after like four or five days my body like really didn't feel good and i was like wait a minute here like i, I think my body yeah. is just like no more keto bread for you you know you need to <laughs> stick to stick to steak and avocado yeah, and yeah we'll see how the, the honey and um fruits go nice. it's been good so nice. far yeah, so i'm, I'm gonna slow. stick to it for a few months and see how my body feels and how my energy levels are and stuff and so my energy levels have been different um but i'm not yeah. sure if it's just my body's getting used to having more carbs because i've had quite a bit more carbs than i usually do and so usually i have like 10 or so net net, net carbs when I was doing regular keto and then now it's like 80. Oh, cause you know, I'm I love, feeling good then. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> as I talk about it, like I'm going to go eat a steak and <laughs> eat a steak. Right I'm going to have an avocado with like a couple of teaspoons of honey. Um, cause yeah, the, the, the doctor, Paul Saladino, he talks about having about a hundred grams of carbs. That's where he likes to sit, um, between, yeah. you know, mangoes and berries and honey and, um, and stuff like that dates and stuff. And so I've been trying to get around there to see how it feels and I might peel it down cause it start, it makes me, I get a little, uh, fatigued from it. I can feel the fatigue in like my face, my, my cheek joints in particular. Take, I used to take like a tablespoon of honey before we train. Yeah. Um, every time. Yeah. That extra boost of it's pretty you? good. Yeah, I, I got it from Hannah Gracie. He said, or not Hannah, the brother, Huron. Yeah. Huron. Before Huron. competitions, uh, Elio used to have him take like a shot of honey before competitions and stuff like that. Get a little bit for of sugar, yeah. And all that stuff. Sugar. That yeah, sense, yeah, so I used to do that for a bit before training just to, because, you know, training late nights, right? You need that extra yeah. boost of energy. So. I've actually been trying, uh, trying that before bed. It's supposed to help you. It's supposed to help you sleep, apparently, too. I really. Oh. It's been working. I don't understand why or yeah. how, but uh, yeah, I um, it's not just honey, but I'll have like a couple of dates with some butter or something, and my sleep has been great. Um, nice. Mostly, it's just every now and again, I'll I'll have lower energy levels throughout the day at certain periods. Like um, you know, when you squint your eyes from the sun for too long and your cheeks get kind of sore, I get that feeling, like that tired. Mm. That's like a tired nice. feeling. I'm in the cheeks yeah. and I, I can't figure out what that is. I don't know if that's, I assume it's because of what I'm doing because I haven't noticed it before, but um, I, I think it's just, I'm eating more carbs than my body's used to and it doesn't like it, but they're not toxic. So my body's not like angry, angry at me. It's just, it's just kind of not happy about it. So I think I'm going to peel it back and see, but um, this is, I'm glad you like this stuff, Chris, because diet stuff like it's, oh, yeah, it's a dude. lot of fun. I, I like I, Dude, yeah, I, I'm all into like diets and like I tried all a whole bin, bunch of diets and like fitness and stuff like that. But yeah, we can talk about that next time or yeah. something like that too. I, I love the try. So. I love the trial and error of just like I'm gonna eat this yeah, this, yeah. this type of food for like a month and see how my, well, my if my body yeah. hates me and if it doesn't, then I'll change it a bit and um, I, like I've 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 done vegetarian and stuff too, and that was like carb heavy. Yeah, so I was like, 
I don't really like it. Like, I, I have no issues with carbs, right? I'm, I'm Asian, right? So I eat, like, a bunch of rice, bro. I eat a bunch of rice. And, and like, dude, I'm from Hawaii, dude. And, like, I eat all the food there is, like, amazing and bad for you. So, like, so, like yeah, I every now and then, every now and then, like, if I diet down, though, like, I, I do, like, the keto carnivore. Yeah. Just to lose the pounds quick. Yeah. Lose the pounds quick. Like before I go to Hawaii, like I'll I'll go keto carnivore for like a couple months to lose the pounds and then I gain it all back. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm glad I yeah, found the, but, the keto style diet. Like that I haven't felt I've I've literally never felt better than the last like four or five years of my life. Mm-hmm. And a, a direct result is the keto is like a direct result of that, just like lowering my carbon take. It my body's yeah. just like made for eating beef and that's about it. <laughs> I just, I, I did, my body just seems, I, I don't like chicken that much. My body doesn't like it. Eggs are good. Um, I like broccoli. I actually like broccoli quite a yeah. bit, but if, if I eat a whole lot of junk, like I'll detox with just like uh, carnivore, like just yeah. protein heavy meals. Yeah. Versus like going to whatever the fad juice diets or whatever out there you know call that detox now i'll detox with like steak yeah all that stuff i feel buy a six pound prime rib like roast and this is yeah, my detox yeah six day detox yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. all right yeah, but dude well, we'll talk it over next time and anytime dude thanks for having me on yeah of course it's our pleasure We're, uh, it was good fun it was good fun yeah, glad you took Catching the time up, so. seeing you guys yeah I, hey i'm snowed in man <laughs> i ain't going anywhere yeah i think i'm snowed in here too so i might try and go for a yeah. walk after i eat but uh yeah yeah we'll have you on again for sure and uh Hopefully we can see each other soon. I don't know when we're going to be opening the gym up. And so it's a little bit up in the air with, uh, with, with George. I'm hoping soon. Yeah. Well, uh, like the issue is too, like if it, if it does open up, like, are you, are you guys going to start training right away? Or like, are you going to get, wait until you get vaccinated? Like, I don't know what the deal is, man. So that, like, that's an issue too. We, I don't think, yeah, I don't yeah. think even in phase two, I'm not actually sure of the rules with jujitsu in phase two, cause it isn't listed, but I don't know if you can actually grapple mm-hmm. with someone in phase two. It doesn't say anything about, it. I have to, I have to call them or email them, but, um, yeah, I'm not sure what other gyms know. are doing. I assume they're blacking out their, their windows and yeah. saying they're following the rules, but, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> maybe not all of them. Of course, I'm, I'm sure they don't want anyone to get sick, but, um, I would like to get vaccinated first just to be safe, but it seems like the prudent thing yeah. to do, but, um, it might be a while though for that. Right. Yeah, it might be. So yeah, we're a bunch of healthy, healthy dudes, yeah. young dudes. Yeah. We're relatively back speaking, in the line. So we're bottom, <laughs> yeah. of the list, yeah. bottom of the list. Yep. Yeah, pretty much. So. All right, boys. Well, I'm going to jump off and get some food to eat. Cool. I'm going to have a steak. Right. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Chris, for uh, for coming on. No problem. No problem. And thank you, everyone, for listening to episode 26. Y'all have yourself a good rest of the morning, afternoon, or the evening. Bye. Later. Bye.